Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Rebel Starbuck with you this week on Shoot the Shizat with my co-host, Dylan Broda. Yo, what's happening? Man, it's hot as shit, as Shizat, here here in Helsinki, in this uh, studio. Even outside, could you believe it? Yeah, it was... 27 degrees, 28 degrees 28. Holy crap. Yeah, and it was like the, the air was just sitting there, too. Yeah. But still, yeah. I mean, it was it's the beginning of summer. I heard that now, from now on out, it's supposed to be that the ecosystem is so screwed up. Here in the Nordics, it's going to be like about 30 degree summers, and it's going to be uh, really dismal winters. So, I don't know. Let's see what happens with that. But uh, It's true. But there's a, we got a pretty awesome guest here today. I'm, I'm super, super stoked, really looking forward to... The what? What did he go by? The um, what was the the hustler? The hustler, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. The hustler, the Ripper, Rip Rogers. Yeah, Rip Rogers. Holy who's been is that? <laughs> this guy is uh, one of the most acclaimed trainers in the wrestling business, and uh, been a long time with Ohio Valley Wrestling or Championship yeah. Wrestling, whatnot. OVW. Nowadays, Al Snow has bought OVW, so I guess that in a way, if I'm not mistaken, Rip Rogers now works for Al Snow. But nonetheless, I guess um, Rip is one of the old school guys. If you want to see the way that Rip trains up talent, you can go on social media. You'll find it on uh, both Facebook and on YouTube. And it's it's really, it speaks for itself. It speaks volumes because, uh, for example, I remember seeing this one clip where Rip is... is uh, basically taking a guy in a headlock or gouging his at his face and whatnot. And mm. the thing is that, you know, a lot of guys these days, you know, they you grab a headlock and then you just basically transition immediately, just shoot the guy off into the ropes and whatnot yeah. out of the headlock. And your headlock doesn't mean a damn thing because there's like, it's if, if there was any pressure behind that, you wouldn't be just like flying off the ropes mm. immediately, right? That's right, yeah. So uh, Rip shows his students how to apply a proper headlock. Wow. And uh, Fancy that. Yeah. And, and then he asks, you know, was, was that boring? You know, and he's got the guys yelling and screaming, and he's you know screaming and yelling himself. Yeah, and it's it's the meaning that you give to it. That's the whole thing. It's it's really it's not about the moves. Mm. It's about knowing where to put the moves, of course, but also how to give meaning to the actual holds and the moves themselves. Yeah, you know, in our, in our business, Dylan, a lot of guys uh, and, and girls, of course, now they they talk about. For example, selling a move. You know, mm. this is the inside lingo of, yeah. of the wrestling business. But the thing is that you got to realize selling is a two-way street. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the administration of the maneuver or of the hold, and it's receiving the maneuver or the hold. Yeah. So it's a two-way street. You you have to make both ends of the coin mean something. Both sides, both for the flip side of the coin has to be in equal measure to that of the other side of the coin. Yeah. And imagine you had a referee who was selling it too. Yeah, exactly. The storyteller, yeah, the, yeah. the narrative. You got all three guys working their buns off because that—that's something that bothers me these days. Is the uh, the refs seem to lack the, um, I guess, the facial expressions, the shock value that they're witnessing this like right in front of them, and it's mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the 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 facial expressions are they need definitely. From the top level of, of any company, mm-hmm. I think still need need work in terms of if you compare it to, well, R- Rip Rogers. I mean, you think about this guy where he would lose and just immediately start 
screaming and yelling and yeah. like this giant, like just absolutely throwing a ten- temper tantrum. He's he pulled my trunks, he pulled my hair, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, just begging to the referee with this, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of intensity and and you know, you just you see a lot of guys who go, wasn't it three? Oh, mm-hmm. you know, but some, just making it that that just exciting, crazy, crazy thing, you know. Protesting it's, exactly, mm. and and just in every in every case, in a headlock, in a in a Boston crab or something, you know, you, wrist lock or whatever, whatever, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think you're you're dang right there, and uh, I can't wait to hear what Rogers has to say about it. Well, this week here on Shooting the Shizat, we're going to go through a few of the current news items with you guys. Uh, John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose in WWE, of course now a free agent and has signed with AEW, but also has signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And his first excursion to the land of the rising sun, what does he do? Yeah, he, uh, spoiler alert, whatever, he wins the United States Heavyweight Championship belt, the IWGP US title from Juice Robinson in a very, in my opinion, old school fight. Uh, okay, they did some, you know, there was a pretty risky dive off the, whatever the Titantron entrance ramp thing that was, you know, pretty uncharacteristic, I guess, of Juice Robinson. But both guys, and I'll tell you, I didn't like Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. I was never a fan. I thought he was lazy. Yeah. But then I guess it's come out that there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Because John Moxley, and I had seen him, his work, you know, from before in the Dragon Gate USA and CZW and that. And he always seemed to have, you know, to be a lot of, have actually that fire. And I guess that had kind of gone out. And now, holy shizat, did he bring it. Uh, he busted juice. He gave juice some juice the hard way. Did he? Yeah. The uh, the uh, you could tell uh, they don't allow blood in New Japan um, because they have I guess an anime company owning them and trying to keep it. They used to have a card, some card company. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Bushi Road. Right, and uh, they um, they used to have some death matches back in the day. It just I guess they were doing whatever it was to get some people watching them at, at that certain point. But uh, anyway, he gave him some hard way juice and uh, he Juice Robinson. His side of his face, he was biting him and everything. It just had like the welts and the, you know, you could just see the puffiness start coming up there and the, the little like openings of the the, the real deal, you know. They, they were just stiffing each other and they loved it. You well, could, there you go. You that's know? good. I mean, the thing is, it's, it, it has to be a fight at the end of the day. And that's what makes it real to the people too, is, is that if it's a fight to you, it'll be a fight to them. Yeah, and I think the if you listen to the crowd, the they were shocked and they were like, very much like their breath was taken away. And I think in terms of a booking-wise, it was really amazing because uh, you had this Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Jay White, which was an amazing cerebral scientific in, in that way, but a uh, match where Jay White was working over Tanahashi's uh, surgically repaired elbow and just like really being relentless, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. over and over. And you felt so bad for Tanahashi because it just... You can see this guy who was like the the biggest star of Japan, you know, and here he is just being, he's trying as hard as he can, but he just, this young guy who's healthy is just taking advantage of his weaknesses and stomping him out. And 
And uh, that was a great match, um, very emotional. And then you had this just absolute brawl, bloody brawl. And uh, Juice held his own. I think a lot of people are going to say a big, big stuff about Moxley here, which that he deserves. But Juice Robinson, wow, that guy is good. And if you just think it's this C.J. Parker, he was back in Florida Championship Wrestling or NXT, if he went over there, if if it transitioned at the time. But uh, he is good, and um, they work together really, really well. So, but Juice lost, but this gave this. I think it's a. It, it might be a, that character change that Juice Robinson needs, and um, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And I think that John Moxley will enter in this G1 tournament um, coming up. That's not officially released, but that's the word on the street and if he's got a title there and he seems to want to do stuff you know wants to check off a bucket list or whatever sounds to me like something he might want to do and then the main event was a apparently match of the year people are saying uh, it was Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay for the best of the super juniors 26 mm. uh final of the tournament and uh this was just unstoppable i uh, i mean Osprey is getting damn good. The other thing is, I was so I was hard up on this guy. Yeah. After that ricochet match a few years ago, I think a lot of people were too. And, yeah. yeah. And the thing is that I I think that he took a lot of that heat to heart. Yeah. I think that he took it like in stride. I think that he just realized that he can't go that way. That you know he did he tried it once on for size and okay he got shat upon. Some mm-hmm. people praised him. Some, I mean, that was the game changer, though, in pro wrestling. I mean, definitively, that that match was, I think, the crucible, the turning point yeah. in pro wrestling where uh, we entered into a new era of the hyper-athletic, uh, how could you just say, the the fight forever style I guess, of wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where you, you just don't quit. You just go, go, go. you got to have such good conditioning to mm. go with that style, too. Yeah. But that's where I think that uh, the turning point came. But nonetheless, now in 2019, Will Ospreay gets it. Mm, he's, he's understanding now more so than ever. And Fumi Saito, who, who we've had on the show a couple of times on Shoot the Shizat, he was right in his assessment where he said that Will Ospreay is going to be the guy who's going to mm. lead uh, wrestling, like pro wrestling. He's going to be the face and the stylistically the, the sentinel. Yeah. of what our business is going to be from 2020 onwards. I, I couldn't agree more. And he's uh, pledged his allegiance to not only just New Japan Pro Wrestling, but to the country of Japan, where he is now mm. officially a resident, permanent resident of Japan. Really? He is there. Apparently New Japan, well, he, he said it in his uh, closing uh, speech that they uh, set him up with a, an apartment. They, did, they helped him with all the deals and everything like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. now he's uh, officially a permanent resident of Japan. He doesn't want to go nowhere, and he wants to mm-hmm. elevate the junior heavyweight title to the height of the heavyweight title, the IWGP heavyweight. Well, good on him. You know, I'll tell you that. I mean, his girlfriend, Bia Priestley, yeah. is, is now signed to AEW, so, you know, obviously now, if this is the case, then uh, I guess he's not going nowhere. I don't think so. And uh, he's, he's very much... And I, I think that uh, New Japan has seen that before and have been burned before by those gaijin talents that get Mm -hmm. to such a huge level and then Mm -hmm. away they go you know the thing is that before long of course i mean nobody's going to stay junior heavyweight forever no Uh, but maybe a guy like jushin liger did yeah but but the thing is that more so often than not 
you're not going to stay in that position forever. Because the thing is, as you get older, by the way, your body composition changes. Yeah. You put on some beef, you put on some weight, and you promote from junior heavyweight to heavyweight. Yes. And that that's what's happened to so many of the guys. I mean, I'm not even going to go into it because you can just, you know, go yourself on... Google, and you can Google this transition with so many of them. Like Misawa back in the day, for mm. example, was junior heavyweight. I mean, there's... Well, even know, Kenny Omega. Yeah, and... Kenny Omega was, yeah. yeah. So many of the guys. Yeah. Chris Jericho. Yeah, But right. anyway, the thing is that, uh, yeah, so onward and upward. Uh, I believe that if Will Ospreay now is committed to New Japan to this extent, then he will be um, in about five years' time, I would say, uh, he's going to be transitioned over to the heavyweight division, in which case he will become the top mm. gaijin. He will be what Kenny Omega was, what AJ Styles was in yeah. recent years to New Japan. He will be their top mm. uh, babyface gaijin. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, if, if anybody wants to see uh, a match of the year contender, and a lot are saying that uh, it's, it is going to hold its own against anything you can throw at it. Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay for Best of the Super Juniors finale 26. And uh, you can watch that in New Japan World and I'm sure somewhere else. But we also had a... I mean, the, the this last two weeks of wrestling is just, like, mind-boggling. You know, mm. we had that NXT 25. Jumping Jim. And we'll get into that after our interview with Rip Rogers. But first, a word from our sponsors. Skip is the oldest sports supplement brand out of Europe since the 1970s. Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, Skip products are pharmaceutical grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today. Meaning they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low-octane gas in a turbocharged high-end sports car engine would you? Neither would you put junk-quality supplements into your body as an athlete. All Skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency. Choose the best. Skip Nutrition. That's skip.fi. S-K-I-P dot F-I. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back with you this week on Shooting the Shizat, and we have got a special guest this week. He's going to knock your socks off. He's been in the wrestling business for, damn, he's been in there almost since I was born. I was born in 73. Rip Rogers, you started in pro wrestling in 1976. Yeah, I'm here. I got you. Yeah. Living the fucking dream. Yeah, yeah, living the dream since 76. I can remember that, yeah. So how did like just uh, give us a bit of a background info first? Uh, you started back then. Who was your trainer? Uh, who started you out in the business? Well, that's good. This is a hell of a rib, right? Uh, here I'm a <laughs> fucking trainer, and nobody ever trained me. The old school way, right? They just put you in the ring. Yeah. You learn on the job. Wow. Yeah, you bullshit. You bullshit your way. You get your uh, your K and H specials from Carl and Hildegard. You get your boots from uh, hell. I got the fifty two dollar boxing boots there. Had the shimmer, shimmer cape, the goddamn bolero, the capes, you name it, blah, blah, blah. You bullshit your way in, and then you get in there to have your first match, and they're telling you to go over. You don't know what the fuck go over means. He said, when you get the pencil, go home. He said, what the fuck's he talking about? <laughs> the guy says, grab my arm. I say, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the list goes on and on. 
Sounds like the way to do it, actually, these these days. Uh, it's it, the kind of trainer that uh, I guess you might be from that style of training. Uh, I think that that's lost art in a lot of cases. Well, you learn your art in the car. Fucking, you have a four-hour trip, you're in the car with a bunch of old motherfuckers, and they're telling you how to do shit because they don't want you to fucking hurt them. And uh, you just, as a rookie, you just shut the fuck up and do as you're goddamn told. If everybody did that, everybody'd be a whole lot fucking better. Well, that's for sure because the things nowadays, I mean, that the lost art of that what you just d- described is the fact that there aren't that many veterans around anymore, uh, even here in Europe. I mean, now we're we're talking here out of Finland right now, and there you are in the U.S. of A. But the thing is that, like, it, to be honest, on the circuit right now, active around the world, there's not all that many real, how could you say, like veterans who've been there, done it who can actually pass that info on. And then we got this fucking entitlement nowadays. You know, we got these young kids who've been brought up with this PC culture, uh, thinking that, you know, nobody can say a crossword to them. They're basically special snowflakes and shit like that. And they got no ears to hear. Do you have, do you run into this problem with the students that are, that are coming up in the business, the young ones? it's, It's the same thing everywhere. It's a fucking travesty. Well, you got, here's the problem. Unless you're really fucking old, a vet ain't a vet anyway. Because once WWE killed all the territories off, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, a guy's full indie schedule in the circuit, which there ain't no fucking circuit, you stupid motherfucker. They're all fucking gone. Mm-hmm. There ain't no fucking territory. There ain't no fucking uh, territories where you can run seven nights fucking week. You're hoping to get fucking hopefully about six indie dates a week hope you can work in the ring with somebody that you're and you ain't gonna be worth a shit to begin with mm-hmm. shit can't learn from shit yeah. kindergartners can't play with kindergartners fucking well, first graders play with eighth graders the eighth graders pull them up to a third grade level but now the big fucking vet oh yeah he oh yeah he's had a hundred matches they said oh i said how long you been working Ten years, I said. Yeah, ten fucking years, ten fucking matches. That's and that's and that's hell of a rib, but that's the way it goddamn is. Well, the thing. Oh is, yeah. The thing is that. Oh, it, oh it's, yeah. I had fucking class last week, right? Yeah. So, guys, I said you guys going an hour. What? So you're going an hour? Because when I have matches, you're not allowed to pre-plan bullshit. You don't get to talk to your opponent. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. So I led them through a fucking hour match. They just sit there and looked at me. Shit, I had guys do over two-hour matches. I got some bitches on the internet and stuff like that. Wow. God damn, once you finally get this shit, it ain't fucking brain surgery. It's fucking simple as shit. Mm-hmm. And everybody's trying to reinvent the wheel, reinvent Mountain Dew, reinvent Colonel goddamn Sanders. Fucking wrestling was never fucking broke. We just destroyed the son of a bitch. Now, why do you think that is? Why did we destroy wrestling? Because Vince McMahon went big time. He destroyed fucking wrestling. Get fucking real. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Jesus Christ. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying that why do you think everybody went along with it instead of just saying, like, let Vince do his thing and, like, we'll try to keep it down the middle? Why do you think that nobody kept it down the middle? Like, why do you think everybody just went along with, with Vince? Because if you're if you're a kid watching the NBA, you emulate fucking stars, don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay, when I'm a fucking kid, 
uh, and I'm doing a Willie Mays basket fucking catch. I'm playing basketball, and I, I like him like goddamn Dr. J. I want to be. I want to run over people in football like fucking Jimmy fucking Brown. It's the same thing. If you're a fucking kid, oh, I, these are the stars on TV. You don't know they ain't worth fuck. Jesus Christ. The thing is that what what amazes me is that nowadays so many of the wrestlers, so-called pro wrestlers in the business, they like to turn them term themselves as quote unquote performers, and it just it eats me alive because the thing is it's like. What are you? You're a performer. You're not a. Re- Nobody says they're a wrestler anymore. And it's like you know, I, I love to perform for the fans and all this shit. And that's all just copy paste from WWE television. But the thing is that, where do you think we went wrong as far as just the 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 fact that I think that a lot of this also has to do with the fact that the lessons of the past were not really passed on. Uh, to future generations through these wrestling coaches, even like 20 years ago. I think that they just dropped the ball or gave up or what do you think the, where's the catch? Well, here's the thing about here, what it is when WWE went big time Mm. in the eighties, right? Yeah. All the local wrestlers they had in the WWF, they weeded all them out. They stole the Hulk Hogan's. They stole the, they got the Randy Savages. They got the honky tonk man. They got all the uh, the Bret Hart's. They got all these guys from all the other territories. Mm-hmm. They raided them all. So, in other words, now you can't you can't get on the guys, right? Mm-hmm. Hell, all of a sudden you're making all this goddamn fucking money. Jesus Christ, you can't get mad at the fucking guys. And then all they look all they looked at is hell. Look at you know years ago you could go to a territory and unless you were part owner or you homesteaded there. You, you're lucky to stay there a fucking year because they retired to your fucking act. Mm-hmm. You walk you walk out to Memphis 52 times in a goddamn year on a Monday night. They've seen your fucking act. So you'd have to learn how to work. You couldn't go out there and do the same, quote, routine, mm-hmm. the same shit. Mm-hmm. They'd fucking boo your ass out of the fucking building. You had to know how to fucking wrestle, how to fucking work, how to fucking manipulate, how to fucking survive in this dog-eat-dog fucking world. And then all of a sudden, now you get guys that are the NWW, they've been there for 15 fucking years, some guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Watch them. Can you imagine if goddamn Elvis was on a Michael Jackson concert every fucking, hell, after two weeks, I'd never watch the same shit again. It's the same motherfucking thing. That's why I think they got them to go, like guys like Cena and Orton, they got them going part-time right now. They just, you know, they come well, in for a bit. No, they ain't part-fucking-time. Why No, but they are, they go away for a bit. That's what I'm saying. But, it's like they won't be on well, TV the, the, the whole time. The, the gimmick is, what a rip. They always talk about the hard WWE schedule. What a fucking rip. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they work four fucking days a week. Oh, we have a travel. Motherfucking watch. One time I had 10. Ten fucking shows in a goddamn week Ooh, yeah. on fucking two lane roads. Fucking get there more miles than a goddamn truck driver. Mm-hmm. And you're you're responsible for for getting there. If not, they'd find your ass. You're responsible for working out, and that's the fucking way it was. Now you're fucking. Oh, now everybody gets a goddamn participation trophy for being a fucking wrestler. Gee, oh, oh yes, oh catering's brought in. Well, if you want fucking caterers, you better stop on the side of the road and get you some fucking Popeye's chicken or something like it and take it with you. Motherfucker. Jesus Christ. Spoil motherfucking prima donnas. Jesus fucking Christ. So Not all of them. A lot of them are hardworking son of a bitches with that old fucking school mentality. 
But a lot of them are goddamn fucking snowflakes. It's a hell of a fucking rib. Now, when you, you're training guys like Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Randy Orton, Dave Bautista, and do you see like those guys having that star potential all the way, you know, I guess in the, the early... Uh, the early hours of training sessions, uh, and do you, do you? No, no, no. Because everybody starts out green as grass. They can make a star out of anybody. You could have the goddamn charisma of a goddamn uh, uh, lamp sitting over in the corner, and if he chooses you to be his goddamn savior, he can he can do that. And that's the way it is. It doesn't matter if you're any good, how big you are, how small you are. If you can't do fa fuck all but that's the way in any job if the boss likes you you're in if not mm. you're fucking out so the thing is that uh you have how long have you been training your active career ended sometime in like what was it the early 90s uh let's see the last official territory i worked was the maritimes in 97 uh-huh. then i come home to obw in uh 1998 right and uh and then i was fuck. They was running five shows a fucking week there mm. and, and, and doing, doing fucking training. So uh, it's been a while. So, you, so, that way. so you've been training guys since the late, the latter part there, the butt end of the 90s? In the late, in the late 90s, yeah. Uh-huh. Right, right. And uh, so like now as a trainer for all this time, past 20 years now, you've been a trainer then, uh what is the what's the number one thing? Let's say a, a new kid comes into your school. I mean, everybody starts out on the same drawing line. Uh, where what is what is your what what is Rip Rogers' mo for training people? Just sum it up in a nutshell so people can understand the old school approach that you apply. I just throw you in the fucking uh, get in there with the rest of them. And what is the if number? You come what, in, yeah. Get in with the rest of them. But don't be the first, be the last. So you can watch everybody else fuck up. So by the time you get there, you won't. Uh, you'll have understood it a little bit. Just shut up, keep your goddamn ears open, and you'll fucking get it. This ain't fucking brain surgery. It's not that goddamn hard. We've made it hard, uh, like most things in this fucking world. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is that when I see some of your clips and I, I've seen some of your approaches, you're, you're really a guy that uh, nails. The, the, the minute details, I guess, that, you know, you would consider to be, like, let's say the smaller details. But in the, at the, in, the, in the end of it all, I think they are the, the defining factors. Like, for example, the small tweaks, the facial expressions. I mean, when you apply a hold, you apply the freaking hold. You don't just, like, you don't carry it like a rest hold. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Um, and that's what I think a lot of times is missing nowadays. I look at wrestling. And I mean, I'm I'm fond of the the older style of wrestling back to the '70s, '80s myself. But the thing is that when I look at the wrestling nowadays, nobody knows how to work a freaking hold anymore. Well, it's uh, that's like nobody in the NBA knows how to fucking dribble a basketball without palming it either, without carrying it. Nobody knows how to fucking go to the fucking hoop unless they have to have their fucking euro step, which is fucking traveling. I mean, it's the same in every goddamn fucking sport. Hell, in the NFL, you're not allowed to fucking hit nobody. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's unnecessary roughness. God damn. I thought you were supposed to kill the fucking quarterback and win the fucking game. Oh, no, that's unnecessary. Oh, he hit him with his fucking helmet. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Mm. This this world's nothing but a bunch of fucking pussies. Now, on the fucking thing, uh, the anniversary of fucking 
the big fucking thing from Europe 75 years ago coming in, blah, 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 kicking ass to goddamn World War II. Now we'd have a bunch. Can you imagine the fucking soldiers to fucking day? Mm. Jesus fucking Christ. They wouldn't be allowed to get yelled at to, to protect themselves, to how to defend themselves. Oh, no. Shit. This world is but, but a bunch of goddamn fucking pussies. Why do you think that is, though? Why Why do you think everybody's Fuck a pussy? I know. Yeah. Fuck if I know. You can't call a fat ass a fat ass, a lazy motherfucker, a lazy motherfucker. You can't say fucking shit about fucking anything. You're going to fucking butt hurt somebody. Yeah, that's actually, I think, one of the things that really, really eats me nowadays is the fact you can't call a spade a spade. And the thing is, it's like George Carlin, the old comedian, he said back before he died that, you know, is this thing about soft speech. It's on actually, it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. I mean, it's but it's hilarious where where you talk about, for example, that somebody, uh, they, they went away, they passed. It's like, no, he fucking died. You know, that's, it's, that's, that's what it's called. It's called dying. He didn't just go away. So, I mean, I think that's what's, uh, it's an ailment nowadays, this politically correct, how could you say, society where it's, you, you have to candy coat everything and everyone is so damn offended by absolutely everything. Actually, this is the funny thing. In pro wrestling, you need strong heels. And, and how can you be a heel? Rip, tell me, nowadays, how can you be a heel without being offensive and without rubbing anybody the wrong way? Well, you could be a heel, but, and the thing about it is, is it's like if Buddy Rogers was a heel. Johnny Valentine was a heel. Mm-hmm. They got more heat walking to the ring, not saying a word, and just looking at somebody up and down and, and then chuckling to themselves. They hated them motherfuckers. They could do nothing and get heat with just their mannerisms, their fucking facials, their fucking body language, and people hated them son of a bitches. Mm-hmm. Then oh no, we had to go. We had to go out and expose the business, and not only do that, go around and say, oh, they and this is how we do it. Oh hey yeah, now all you fans. Oh, we shouldn't call you fucking marks. Oh yeah, now you fans can go out there and say, oh, this is awesome, so we can dive, or we can have a beach ball floating around and get all upset when people are yelling fucking see and pump because they're so disinterested in the goddamn matches. Because before, the people would be sitting there biting their fucking nails. Girls would be fucking crying because the baby face is fucking selling. And now they're fucking laughing, worried about somebody's push. He didn't get to get all this shit in. Well, fuck you motherfuckers. Go fuck yourself. Rip, do you think that anybody can make people suspend that disbelief anymore? Like, just like Buddy Rogers, like you said. Do you think that somebody today can still get away with, with just their presence, their gait, their walk, uh, body language wise, you just all you get... got to do is have all you got to do is have uh, the office supporting it. You think it? You if think you, you go you... out there? If you go, if you went out there and worked old fucking style, you would have so much motherfucking heat because everybody else don't know how to. Mm-hmm. The I th- did the finishes one night fucking show and give old style fucking finishes, and then people was so fucking mad. We ain't never coming back. I said, yeah, till next week, motherfucker. And, and <laughs> did, did they come yeah. back next week? Of course, motherfucking marks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, I remember I was talking to one promoter a couple of years ago here in Europe, and because all of the kids nowadays are doing this really fast-paced, hyper-athletic, high-spot style, I said to him that, you know, just put me in there. I mean, I've been around for about 25 years. So I said, uh, put me in there with somebody who can work 
more more so that old school style. You know, we can tell a story the old school way, and and have your people. You know, we'd offer them something completely different than everybody else that's on the card. And he said, I don't think that my audience would buy it. So he, he didn't. He didn't go for it. And and that was his argument. He just didn't believe. Well, that- most 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 promoters are fucking marks. Well, most prom- it ain't it ain't it ain't like where okay. We had the uh, Tampa Territory. Eddie Graham ran that. Mm-hmm. We had the goddamn Atlanta Territory. Oldie ran that. Mm-hmm. We had goddamn Mid-South. Uh, fucking uh, Bill Watts ran that. We had Bob Geigel do Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Well, he ran that. We had Vern Gagne do the AWA. Mm-hmm. We had Dick the Bruiser doing the WWA. We had the Sheik running the goddamn Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. Then we had Carlos Colon in Puerto Rico. We had uh, Gene Kaniski in vancouver mm-hmm. we had roy shires in san francisco we had lord blair's out there in hawaii we had Stu hart in calgary mm-hmm. we had uh emile dupre in the maritimes we had the rougeos up in uh uh, uh montreal then the Sheik, he was affiliated with toronto for all those years mm-hmm. so the place goes on and on and on and on and on it with wrestling gary jarrett ron fuller they had all these guys that were uh wrestlers roy welch uh that controlled wrestling uh, with territories. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was like the mafia. <laughs> mm-hmm. There ain't no, no doubt about that. But the thing about it was they protected the business. They helped each other. Uh, they, they kept guys that were stars. They would keep guys getting booked and everything when they needed talent. We need a big guy. We need this. We need a tag team guy. We, we need a, we, we need a, a Puerto Rican. We need a Mexican. We need a black guy. We, we need a, we need a white meat baby face. Mm-hmm. We need a big old giant. What you got there? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they helped each other. But anyway, I start going off on shit like that. I know what the fuck. Oh, it was about the mark promoters, right? Yeah. Hell, here in the States, we got all the fucking promoters. Oh, none of them's wrestlers. You know? Oh, but, but this guy got his tax check, so he's a goddamn promoter now. This guy watched it on TV for a lot, so he now he's a promoter. Then they want to they want to book all the old ex WWE stars so they can get their picture taken with them and put it on the fucking uh, internet and act like they're goddamn fucking over. What a fucking rib! Now, big big thing I guess in the the wrestling world is is this uh, everybody's talking about that all elite wrestling that I guess seems to be run by the boys, uh, although the uh, Tony Khan, we've talked about it before, he seems just like a huge wrestling mark and uh, although a businessman at the same time. But do you think that's going to be any different? Or do you see like... Well, here, 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 here's the thing. As a fan, I hope it makes it. Now, let's think. Vince McMahon made all this money in wrestling. All of a sudden, he opened up the XFL. Within four weeks, you knew it was done. He stepped outside something he didn't know nothing about. This other guy is a pro football fucking owner. Plus, he owns what soccer team in Europe and how this motherfucker's got so much money. And he's got his kid who's like the world's biggest wrestling fan. And it's his money and he can burn it. He can piss it away. He can do whatever he wants to. He'll probably go through a couple fucking billion. Uh, of course, it's easy to book a show one month, isn't it? Mm. It's easy to book another show. And oh, and, that, my, and then I got Moxley coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe CM Punk's coming in next month, right? Mm-hmm. It ain't like you're booking. Got to remember how many years ago WWE was running 21 shows a fucking week. 
three towns a fucking night. Mm -hmm. But the guys that ran the place were experienced guys at work, had been wrestlers, bookers, owners, etc. You can't take the boys, and all of a sudden, if they're... <laughs> you don't start out in kindergarten and graduate college in a year. Mm. When you're a doctor, you, you go to goddamn college, you go to fucking medicine school, then you do an internship, then all of a sudden you're doing knee operations, but hey, I don't want your old ass, I don't want you, I want some old motherfucker that's been a doctor for 40 years and have done 50,000 knee operations, I don't want you, you're a fucking rookie, that's how it. can a rookie, you know what I mean, how can a rookie, do? and you can't do business like, like it's your fucking friends, mm. you have a business with your fucking friends, it don't fucking last, but anyway, I hope they make it. It's another place where the boys can go and make fucking money. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. Because we need more places uh, to go. We need more fucking styles. In pro wrestling, it's not, look, a dive's great in a match. One match. In one match, I want a DDT. Fuck, I used to run DCW, which is another branch of OVW. The only, I only allowed one guy to throw a fucking clothesline. And that was it. I said, no, your other guys have to work. Mm. When did doubt throw a clothesline? That's it. That's it. Fuck it. The WWE guys come down. Mm. Oh, you think you're fucking good? Get in the ring, go an hour right now. What? Oh yeah, you're fucking superstar. Let's go. Mm. You know how to wrestle. You know how to work. Let's go. Shit, they couldn't go three minutes, and all they could do was throw fucking clotheslines. Now shut the fuck up and get goddamn line. You ain't worth the fuck. Just because somebody says you you're worth a shit, don't mean you are worth a shit. Mm-hmm. How many guys they paying big-ass fucking money to it? Can't, can't goddamn late to boot. Can't call a fucking match in the goddamn fucking ring. Couldn't have, couldn't go a fucking hour if your life depended on it. Have to have every, a fucking script. Can't do a goddamn fucking... Look what they've done. They took... Can you imagine them telling Roddy Piper how to do a fucking promo? <laughs> well, that's just it. That's just hey, it. Hey, Randy, this, here's your promo and here's your match. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. I think that's the one thing. I was wrestling Dave Finley, you know, back in 2011. Oh, yeah, I was working goddamn Finley in 90-fucking-two, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what's so funny about Finley now, he's finally getting some little bit of uh, getting what he's worth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he struck, well, fuck, he started when he was 14, right? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, here's fucking Fit. I'm over in goddamn uh, working for Big Auto. Mm-hmm. In Austria and Germany and, and England. Uh, so I'm over there. So I got Regal, his first job in WCW. At Max Payne, I got him his first goddamn job. And I come back to, to Ole. I said, man, I seen this guy, Dave Finley, Fit Finley. I think he's the best heel I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. First thing Ole said was, well, how tall is he? I said, goddamn, I didn't ask him how fucking tall he was. I didn't know. I just knew when he was in that fucking ring. And I watched it as a fucking mark, and he just stole the fucking show and had the most fucking psychology. He controlled every second of that fucking match. And all the marks, they're fucking scared to death. <laughs> yeah, but if, but Fit, Fit is the absolute god of European professional wrestling. I mean, everybody not bows to his name here in this on this continent, man. Shit, I, I bow to him right goddamn now. <laughs> no, but Fit, Fit is awesome, man. I, I was just saying that... When I worked fit back in 2011, it was in Tokyo, Japan. And uh, 
I remember I asked him before the match, of course, out of courtesy, you ask, you know, so what, what would you like to do tonight? And he said, well, I don't like to plan much because it's like when, when you know what's coming next, it's, it takes yeah. away that moment of apprehension. You can see the small little details in your opponent's eyes. You know, it's like when the people see and they watch that match and when you know what's coming, you act differently, you, you react differently to the to the next sequence, the next move or whatever that's coming. But when you don't right. know, when you don't know, that's what makes it real. So that's when you don't plan your match. You just go by feel. So it's that old school action versus reaction approach. And that's that's how we wrestled. And the thing is, I'll tell you what, I mean, that was like, is a pleasure because the thing is that nowadays there's so few guys. And honestly, there are so few that can work that style of action and reaction and that they know their ground game. They know how to wrestle, as we call it, just know how to work. Uh, and I don't know why this is. And I think the reason, actually, one reason I believe why it is personally. Now, you can tell me your own opinion after this, but... I think that the guys nowadays and the girls, I don't think that they treat the business like a shoot. Now, if you get in the ring, you you act you like you 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 to yourself, you act as if this was an actual contest. It's going to translate differently to that audience. You're going to feel like you're in a fight and it's going to translate better. But if you go into that ring just thinking spot for spot, this is just a performance that we got to put on for 15 minutes and then just go home. It comes across as a freaking performance. Would you agree with me? Well, in my opinion, whatever you're saying is all true. But you got to you got to remember, people, kids today have never seen none of that shit. Okay. Mm. And when you go to the big, I'll go to fucking show just to fucking. And guys, they go through every fucking move in their match. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I can't. I remember working with Savio Vega in goddamn Puerto Rico. Well, he was TNT there. And I said, T, we're going an hour. He said, what? We're going an hour. I said, yeah. I said, make a comeback about 58. Put me, hit me with the Savat kick. Put the Cobra on me. We'll run out of time. Got it? See ya. That was it. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, but I said, see you in the ring. I know how to work. <laughs> All you got to do is shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah, that's it. And that's the way I was taught. Baby face, shut the fuck up. You're a stupid baby face. Just do as you're fucking told. Now, do you think that uh, like it should be from the absolute beginning that guys and gals should, uh, I guess, do it in this more organic way, like right from the beginning and none of this that's like, the way walk I teach, through that's stuff? That's the way I teach everybody. Now, when my group's with my group, they're fucking fantastic. They go to somewhere else, and now all of a sudden, now they're held back to a second grader because they have to do what other people can do. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. As a, as, as a fucking heel, I know what you can do well. I know what we're fucking shooting for. I'm not going to make you look fucking stupid. If you know eight moves, if all you can do is eight things, all we're going to do is those eight things. But they're going to be those good eight fucking things. The rest of it, I'll call in the fucking ring. If you can't do it, just tell me. That's okay. I'll, I'll change it. There's ten, there's ten fucking ways to get to the goddamn end of the rainbow. If not, it don't have to be edged in stone. So if, what? If you, can, if you, if you have no confidence in doing something, I said no big deal. We'll do this instead. Mm-hmm. Why is it that you believe? Uh, nowadays, there's so few people can throw a good punch in the ring. That's the number one thing, right? Today, it's like all the punches look like shit. They look freaking fake, except for a very, very select few. Why do you think that people can't throw a punch? 
because they're not asked to. They, they made, uh, first of all, uh, like on, as usual, WWE destroyed all the rules. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, now, instead of a, a, a tag where you have to hold the tag rope in a tag team match, you got to have both feet on the goddamn ground and you got to fucking tag over the top rope. You got to fucking tag on the hand. There ain't no tagging in the back head or the head. Or the, 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 you can't slap somebody in the back and that's fucking tagging. They've destroyed all the fucking rules. Mm. That's like the fucking punch. They used to go, they used to have the instructions at the beginning of each match so everybody knew the rules. And a lot of times you get your finish there. The referee's saying, okay, you gotta, uh, you, you can't, you can't kick with the fucking heel or the fucking toe. You got a fucking five count versus DQ. Some states was 10, 10, some states were 20 count outside. A lot of places were over the top rope as a DQ and they go over them fucking rules each time. But when they're fucking pantomiming and doing that, whatever, blah, 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 uh, they're saying, okay, you gotta go past 17, finishes a fucking small package. You got it? Okay, go. That'd be it. Mm-hmm. The rest of the things you was watching what the other matches were, mm-hmm. and they might say, "Okay, you watched what the other matches do. Don't do the same shit, mm-hmm. or do the same shit, but come out with a different outcome." So the people say, "Oh, here, th- this is what's happening." Oh no, it didn't happen that way this time. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, that's the w- but that's the way it was, and that's the way it is today. So in other words, today you got a shit fucking product, and you wonder why nobody fucking watches it. Nobody gives a fucking shit. And uh, we've killed our own fucking business. I remember watching Dusty, no, it wasn't Dusty Rhodes. It was Dick Murdoch and Killer Carl Cox back in the day. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and it was 95% punch. <laughs> that I mean, they told the entire story of the match with just punching. And and the yeah. thing is that nowadays, because the guys can't throw, but the girls can't throw a punch. You know, you know, actually, who I think has the best punch out of North America today is Tessa Blanchard. Tully Blanchard's daughter. To be honest, I mean, when she mounts another girl and she's like wailing away on top off the mount, she's got the best punch in the business. And okay, that's, now here's the thing. Yeah. Now you got to have a brain when you're throwing punches. Yeah. Because now, just think you punch, you're in the fucking mount, you throw 10 fucking punches at this fucking girl, mm-hmm. and then she gets up and she ain't got a fucking mark on her. Mm-hmm. So now, see, the thing about punching, it's when to do it, how many to do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you've, I watched fucking uh, 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 Jerry Lawler, and he has, what a great fucking punch, Jesus Christ, but he hit Buddy Landell 60 times the corner, <laughs> and there wasn't a mark on him, Yeah, yeah. and it, and it, and it was a finish, he fell down, he pinned him, yep. but he hit him 60 fucking times, yeah. So we kill our own fucking business no matter what we fucking say. So it's a thing about the moves. For, but if you give them too fucking much and they ain't got a fucking mark on them, either you can't fucking punch or this guy's fucking Superman face, or what's the fucking, what's the gimmick? What's the rib? Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like what Jake Roberts said back in the day. If, if, if two lefts and a, and a right cross ain't going to put you down on his comeback, then his punch ain't worth shit. Right. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no, it's jab, jab, jab. There's the big one. Boom. Yeah, that's right. So like two jabs, three jabs, whatever it was, and then the right cross. But nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. And now, and now, if you jump right back up, oh, I know, three clotheslines, bump feet. Fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah, you're. The cool. object is to knock you down. Yes, yeah, right. Knock you down. You should be wibble wobbled. You can't fucking get up. I know it's the fucking rhythm of the comeback, 
But mm-hmm. you can control that rhythm, whether it's a fast rhythm, whether it's a slow rhythm. But just think if they had a UFC fight, and every time he punched the guy flat back and jumped right back up. Mm-hmm. You go, what the fuck is this bullshit? What about it, Rip? I mean, the thing is that uh, everybody nowadays, the one thing that it really eats away at me is that when I watch like the, the main product, whether it's WWE or, or even this All Elite Wrestling or even, even the guys in New Japan, but uh, what I see is this nice, crisp, flat back bumping, and all the bumps are nice and uniform. Now, if I just backtrack to a guy that I just mentioned just a second ago, Tully Blanchard, I think it was J.J. Dillon that said uh, some time ago, a few, like several years ago, he said that Tully Blanchard, he, he considered what he did in the ring to be the chaos bump theory, which means that when you come down, you're not always coming down nice and crisp. I mean, of course, you're not hurting oh, yourself. Oh, hell. Hey, yeah. hey, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. That's why I was such a Terry Funk mark, because he, he worked like he wasn't working. Yeah. It was a fight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, 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 then, and then Ronnie Garvin, who, who was five foot seven, two oh five, and worked like he was 300 pounds and he didn't take bumps. He would go to a knee. He had rolled with, and he told me, he says, well, you guys take bumps because a, they're teaching you safety. So you don't get hurt mm-hmm. like a flat back and stuff. Yeah. Then as you get more years in your business, you, you know how to protect yourself. And then you, but all this other shit is bullshit in a boxing. I never seen a fucking, uh, uh, a pro fight boxing, a guy take a flat back in a boxing match. Mm-mm. You know, they crumple, they fucking, you know, the deal. When you really get hit, mm-hmm. you can't do none of that shit. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're fucking wibble wobbled. You can't fucking, fuck, I had real goddamn boxing matches. got knocked fucking silly. The fucking, it's just like in fucking Rocky where you, you can't feel it, but you hear it. And mm-hmm. the fucking room starts fucking spinning and shit as a fucking rib. And mm-hmm. you can't get your fucking legs like your goddamn drunk and shit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but no. No, Tully's a well. Of course, Tully was a goddamn uh, second generation wrestler. Mm-hmm. So the daughter's a goddamn third generation. So she's goddamn uh, uh, how much so far ahead of everybody. Mm-hmm. That's like I was basically trained by the Popos, Randy Savage, his dad and his brother, hell his mother, uh, because they uh, kept me. They're the ones that. Got me working full time in the Maritimes and in Nashville and in Mississippi and in Vancouver and goddamn Portland and then then with them for four years in ICW. They'd always get me booked and everything. So I basically learned the business for them. So I've been I'm in me and Randy lived together four years. So we're there driving in the fucking cars every day. So we're learning I'm learning fucking booking and I'm fucking riding with fucking Roof and Orton. Uh, Randy's dad, Professor Boris Malenko, all these old motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And I just, all I got to do is shut the fuck up and listen and keep my goddamn eyes and ears open. So what a fucking education I got. You know what I mean? Yeah, getting, but you were privileged, getting, man. That was a different day and age because you had all those old veterans, right? There's there's not, like I said, now, now, right. and now, now nowadays, and nowadays, now, no. What am I going to do? You're going to have some goof riding in the car with some other goof. Mm-hmm. And that's not a fucking knock, but you're supposed to be you're supposed to be a twenty year old working with a forty year old, learning from the forty year old. Then, ten years from now, now you can lead the twenty year olds, mm-hmm. and that's the way it's supposed to be. Because if your if your shoulders hurt, what in the old days, if you hurt your knee or whatever, uh, if you got hurt, they might carry you a day or two. Then they just got rid of your ass. 
So you had to be able to tape it up and go. I said, hey, I know your knee's fucked up. Don't worry, I got you. We'll go 20. Hell, I was working with Regal and goddamn Croydon in fucking England. Fucking first minute in, I tore my fucking quad. This was in 1992. We went 40 minutes that fucking night. Yo. My quad's still fucking torn. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's torn quad. Oh, my God. Oh, get fucking real. Ain't goddamn brain surgery. What the fuck? Mm. One the fucking pussy. You just fucking win. Fucking got knifed in a goddamn riot in South Africa. Fuck. Did I miss the <laughs> dates? Fuck no. I watched Randy Savage get fucking knifed. He didn't miss no fucking dates. You just get fucking stitched, you taped it up, and you fucking win. What the fuck? I never missed a match in my life because of illness or injury. If somebody fucked me on a payoff, I might do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't fucking miss one because of being hurt or anything. Fuck that. Wrestling ain't fucking real. Jesus Christ. Now, do, do you think like those kind of things where, you know, you get so much heat that somebody actually wants to kill you? Like I've heard Jake the Snake say that somebody tried to shoot him in the, like from the crowd in a, in a match. I think he was with Sting and he dove under the ring and he was terrified. But all he could think of was like, yeah, I got that guy. You know, I did my hey, job. I, hey, in, uh, in the Bahamas, Jake Roberts had so much fucking heat. They used to sell bags of rocks out there where they would throw at you. <laughs> we used to Tampa Perry. They'd fly you idea. over there. And they, at the end of the night, they took the ring down. And Jake was rolled up in, like, the mats the, the, in the canvas and put him in the ring truck and drove him away. Because the fans were, wait, they were waiting to fucking get him. <laughs> Hell, I remember fucking, uh, they had the fucking militia out. Goddamn, uh, we were in fucking Stanger, South fucking Africa. And this guy's with us. I said, what a fucking place to die. Fucking Stanger, fucking South Africa, motherfucker. Because they was trying to fucking kill us and shit, stuff like that, you know. But what the fuck? That was a fucking, can you imagine being a fucking heel? You get fucking spit on, your tires slit, fucking concrete breaks through your fucking car things. Everybody's trying to run you off the fucking road. Hit you, spit on you, throw shit at you. And in the fucking baby faces, the guys that ain't worth the fucking shit. They're getting a good fucking blowjob. They're getting the fucking food. The elder mothers are trying to get their daughters to hook up with the fucking uh, uh, the young baby faces, right? Mm-hmm. And, but 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 the the fun part of wrestling is to be a fucking heel. That was funnier than shit. <laughs> and the baby faces made all the fucking gimmick money too. <laughs> but Rip, do you see? But they are. But having the fun was being a goddamn heel. So, do you think that there's any way to bring back that amount of heat nowadays with the internet being what it is, with people knowing what they know? Do oh, you th- fuck the in- oh fuck the internet! You think- I knew the goddamn Rocky movie was goddamn phony, and I'm cheering when fucking he's got fucking Clubber Lang fucking staggered ready to take the bump. Right? Yeah. I'm like fucking Mark, and I know it's a goddamn movie. You can get caught up into it. If it's a good show, it's a good fucking show, right? So what do you think it's going to take to bring back that hey, kind of heat? What's, hey, what, what is it going to take? All, all you got to do is go back to old school wrestling. Yeah. You have to take two steps back and do less. All of a sudden, the son of a bitch has got him in a hammerlock and the fucking heel breaks his goddamn arm. You motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You ain't supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. He fucking punches him one fucking time, knocks him fucking out. They carry him out. He really punched him. I mean, we're just fucking marks. All you, you got to do is treat the marks like marks, and they are marks. They want to believe the fucking shit. Get fucking real. Well, that's what I think. Everybody, is... you don't go to a movie you don't believe in. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I've been to movies that I don't believe, and I, w- I went just because I was with somebody who wanted to see the Avengers, and I didn't give a two flying rats fa- rats asses about the movie because I, I I don't have a I have a predisposition towards superhero movies to begin with. I think that basically nowadays they all suck. But the thing is, I wasn't entertained. I mean, it, the, so many people got so high on the Avengers saying it's the fucking greatest movie of all time is breaking all these records. I just couldn't see the forest for the trees, man. Well, I haven't been to a goddamn movie since my son was born about 21 years ago that wasn't fucking Harry Potter or whatever. I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. I haven't watched wrestling since 2002. All right. Somebody will somebody will send me something on the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I'd sent guys up there. It's like I invented uh, Nick Densmore's Eugene character because he couldn't get a job. You know uh, what I mean? Right, right. And, but I never even seen him be Eugene because I, I refuse to watch wrestling on TV. I remember I was uh, I was living in Calgary, Alberta. You, there's a name that you'll probably know, Les Thornton, the old NWA junior champion from '83. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember Les. We were I was I was at his place, and we were sitting down in his den, and uh, there's some WCW was on at the time. It was Marcus Alexander Bagwell against somebody? And I remember Les looking at the match, and he was saying, "This is just Gaga." It's like if you want to see real wrestling, you see me and Tony Charles back in the day hook it up. But this this is just Gaga, and it's like if. Well, if if that was Gaga you're, back in the day, I mean, what the hell is it now? Well, you're right, and you know what's so funny? They used to have years ago in WWE, they would have Les go like a 30 minute draw before the Hulk Hogan match mm-hmm. to get everybody so bored with wrestling, right? <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, then the Hulkster would come out, and there would be the music, right? And the place would go nuts because you got to have you got to bring them down. Yeah. Before we can bring them up, right? That's right. So they give him so much technical wrestling that the, and people were sick of wrestling. That, that's what's so funny. It's like, oh, but WWE's, they got a three-hour program, a two-hour program on these different networks because the networks want it. So And they can't go out there and they got all these bullshit fucking skits and all that other shit because wrestling used to be a one-hour show where it would just time it just right and there was three one-minute or three two-minute promos and you got to hear your heroes talk. But the rest of it was wrestling, but it was treated like a one-hour infomercial. Now, we can't go out there and wrestle three hours. If you wrestled three hours on fucking tight, people would be so fucking sick of wrestling. That's like if I, that's like if you'd have an NBA game on. I don't, I don't even check my phone till the end of the, end of the thing. I want to see what the score is. I don't care about the goddamn game. You watch a goddamn game for three hours. And what are the other sports trying to do? They're trying to hurry up and get the game over with. Every kind of shortcut there is. Because the games are too fucking long, people got no goddamn attention span. So how in the fuck do you expect me to watch three hours plus of Raw, three hours plus the goddamn overrun? How you, how you want expect me to watch that shit? You, you can't wrestle the whole time. Fucking people, if if they had a goddamn see, I watch goddamn uh, 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 Funks, Briscoes, Harley Race, whatever, do a one hour Broadway. I'm going fucking nuts watching this shit. Today's fucking people, they're fucking they're getting antsy. Because they didn't get to get their, their 22 false finishes all uh, two and nine tenths for no for no fucking reason. Where nothing means nothing. And every, you got to have fucking six dives every fucking match. Jesus fucking Christ. We've just fucking destroyed our business. Fuck them. Now, I don't know how I got on, I don't know how I got on a roll like that, but what the fuck, right? It, it was great. <laughs> I'm sitting here just loving every minute of, of all these uh, stories and, and opinions. And, I mean, the one thing that... Uh, I guess um, we we were watching that All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing together, uh, Starbuck and I, and we were 
you know, picking apart a lot of it, enjoyed a lot of it. Um, and uh, there was one thing that uh, that I came out of it, I guess, um, with a really strong opinion was that um, really pretty wrestling. This, like, very, how would you call it? Uh, just, like, really, would you say, like, stylistic wrestling wherever like we talked earlier about those nice flat bumps and and everybody doing everything absolutely perfectly seems as though like that is that's like the new standard and then when guys go in there and fight and uh actually throw some punches and you know Jericho versus Kenny Omega in the main event and um it seemed like those guys were really just fighting for their lives and a lot of, a lot of desperation but what it came it seemed to be translated to the, I guess, the the big audience right now was that those guys are out of shape and, like, fumbled their way through through a match in that way that it just, I guess it didn't look so nice. Well, here, here's the thing. When I have a pro wrestling show, uh, I'm not a fan of Lucha, but there's a lot of people that are fans of Lucha, so I want a Lucha match on there. I want a great chain wrestling match. I want a great fucking brawling match. I want some kind of title match. I want some kind of tag team match. I, wrestling is supposed to be a buffet. Everybody don't just mm. eat chicken. Some people like certain things. Some guys go to the tit bars. They like the fucking uh, uh, the skinny girls. Some of them like the fucking fat girls. Not, um, not all of them just like the fucking boob jobs and the pretty girls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some like girls fucking dance. And some guys... Uh, uh, they can't, but they're seductress and whatever the fuck, and they're on, and they got the goddamn blankets on the ground doing whatever. Uh, and and wrestling's the same goddamn fucking way. The only thing I saw in that what was it AEW is called in their show. Uh, somebody showed me something on the internet. It was it was the thing after uh, Dustin and Cody's match, and I watched it and I said this is what's going to happen, and it, and it was the exact same thing. Of uh, I don't want to be blah blah blah, but I'll be your part. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they and then and they said, well, how'd you know? I said, well, that's traditional wrestling. That's getting at emotions right there. Mm-hmm. I said it, it's so fucking simple. Once you understand it, you understand it. But the problem is not too many people understand it or want to understand. It. But uh, and and I said this is the way it's supposed to be done. That's how I knew what was what they was going to say next. I could smell it coming a mile away. I could smell it too. Right. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And that was the only thing. That was the only. I didn't see one second of the match. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I saw of the whole fucking show. Wow. So, Rip, back in the day, you were wrestling like for Stu Hart out of uh, of Calgary. And then you mentioned also the Louisiana Territory for Bill Watts, which a lot of wrestlers have said that those two territories, travel-wise, were the damn hardest ones on the entire on the entire route. So how how would you rate, like, because nowadays, of course, guys, they don't have to travel that much. You know, it's more or less because the, the business has died out to the point where unless you're working for WWE, um, you're doing those four dates a week, as you said, for them. Yeah. Other, otherwise, the independent circuit is a weekend business. Unless you're in England, where in the summertime you got the family camps and you can do seven days yeah. a week. Unless, right. unless it's England. It, right. to, be, to be perfectly honest, 
We are weekend warriors nowadays. It's just the way the world is gone. There's nothing we can damn well do about it. We, you can't wrestle Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatnot, because people just don't come out anymore. That's I mean, they life is too fucking expensive. I mean, just for a pint of beer here in Helsinki, it's eight euros. Eight euros for a pint. Plus the door charge. So some clubs, they're uh-huh. charge, charging you 15, 20 euros just for entry, plus your drinks, plus your taxi and whatnot. You're spending easily in the range of 100 to 200 euro for one night to go out on the town. So the thing is that people nowadays are reluctant to go out. Uh, and that's why the wrestling business ain't going to come up to speed anytime soon to what it was back in the 80s where you could be working 350 dates a year. Not going to happen anymore. So that's why... Nowadays, they're weekend warriors. So, But back in the day, the Louisiana Territory and then even that uh, Stampede Territory, would you agree with, with the sentiment that those were, like, travel-wise, the hardest territories? Well, let me think. Now, 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 here's the thing about Calgary. Calgary was easy because they had the vans. Yeah, Stu had the vans. When I worked for Stu, they had the vans. They had the heel vans, the baby face vans. All they did was pick me up at the goddamn St. Regis Hotel. Jerry Moore would pick me up. He'd be driving the heel van. Uh-huh. And then we'd drive the fucking thing. And half the time, the most of the boys are fucking filled out, fucking sleeping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're fucking laughing and telling stories of what we did last night or whatever. So it wasn't like you were in Bill Watts' territory driving two lanes and driving uh, 311 miles from Shreveport to... Uh, the Baton Rouge on a Monday night and had to go back. You know what I mean? Mm. And then, but you had to worry about your car upkeep. You were driving. Fucking Calgary, we just sat back and let Jerry fucking drive. He's smoking his fucking dope, bebopping around, listening to his fucking music and shit. I'm in the fucking back. Bad News Al's in the fucking back. First night in, I said, oh, I'm going to sit back here. And they said, that's news of seat. I said, let me get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared to death of fucking bad. Oh, one night in deal like this in 97, me and News was working for Dupre in the Maritimes. I said, come on, News, let's go. I got to feel it. Let's go. He said, no, you don't want that. I said, come on, let's go. I got to feel it one time. That motherfucker, he put me in a fucking hammer. I thought he was going to break my fucking arm. Oh, I give up. Please, News, let me out. He says, oh, no, you had to feel it, didn't you? <laughs> By the way, Rip, did you hear Did you hear that uh, news at some point? He was saying that um, Vince was actually going to change the title from Hogan to News back in around, what was it, 87, 88? And then just something, it just didn't happen. Did you hear about that? I, I, I don't know. I knew he, he told me he had got some promises that they didn't... Uh, come around but then I, then I started laughing i said yeah welcome to the wrestling business if the money ain't in your hand it don't count yeah, yeah. <laughs> what anybody tells you uh, don't believe nothing yeah don't all believe- of a sudden yeah don't i don't believe nothing don't believe nobody mm. get real it ain't my first county fair kid That's i've been right. <laughs> i've been tricked for how many times before i've smartened up now now we went off on we went off i don't know what oh then we was talking about the about the the trips right yeah that's right yeah, that's what it was. But Stu's wasn't that. They had the long-ass uh, Holder vagina and stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they would go uh, towards the loop to fucking Vancouver. Uh, salmon arm, cab loops, all that thing, all the way to Vancouver. They'd do that. But when you're sitting in the van, the big CD cruiser van, taking it easy, whatever, blah, 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 telling stories about the rats. 
you hit last night or who this or that or what you were going to do, this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's that's fun. And when you're driving your fucking bit, beat up Pinto down highway, one of them fucking two lanes, uh, down to LaRanger La and Homer, Louisiana and shit like that, that's that's a little bit of a fucking different story. Shit, I, I remember we worked fucking Oklahoma City, get up, leave at 7 a.m., go to Oklahoma City, 400 miles of Oklahoma City, then two hours of fucking Tulsa, and then 358 back to goddamn Shreveport, and you had to be in New Orleans the next day at three fucking 11, 311 miles of fucking two lane. And then, and, and then and you, you, lo- and you loved every, you love, I remember I'd fucking get there. I'd be fucking shaking and the guys would be cheering me. It's like, come in. <laughs> and I, and then you got fined if you showed up late. I tell you, but here's, here's the, here's the gimmick about some of the shit. What they don't tell you about Watts. Me and King Kong Bundy was driving is either Greenville or Greenwood from fucking, uh, we lived in Bossier city right outside Shreveport. Mm. My fucking timing chain went out in Bastrop, Louisiana. Some guy fixed my fucking car. He had his son and daughter drive us to the matches. Hmm. We got him in. We drove him back. He charged me $90 to fix my thing. And, of course, me and Bundy were late. And there wasn't. he didn't have phones and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At the time. This is like 1983. So Watts find us. But then when he find us, I said, Buns, what'd you make? He told me. And I said, you made what you were supposed to make, but he find you too, didn't he? He said, yeah. I said, in other words, he didn't fine us, really. What he did is he padded our fucking pay, and then he fined us because all the boys knew we was late, and then we can say we got fined, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what he fucking did. Well. <laughs> because, yeah, our fucking timing chain out, we still made the fucking town. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was a different game back in the day, that's for sure, because nowadays it's, yeah. uh, like, put it this way. I live in Finland here, which is you got to fly me into every freaking location. I cannot drive. It's more like a, it's almost like an island, uh, you know, Finland, it, even though it is connected to mainland Europe. But if I were to drive over, I would have to pass through Russia. So, therefore, uh, that's, it's, it's. You need not, a visa it's not doable. and all that kind of stuff. Was that you, you need a visa? Yeah, just, you need just a visa. Ju- yeah, just to enter like Russia. Day. Yeah, that's right. So uh, you got to fly yourself and not fly yourself, but you got to get flown out to even work anywhere. So it's a different ball game here. I mean, just demographically, just because of the fact that the the continent is shaped differently. But nonetheless, uh, as we uh, get towards the end of this thing here, Rip, I what, what I wanted to really talk to you about today was the fact that. Because you was a trainer now for 20 years, and you're the old school guy. You're the guy who's been around for all this time since 1976 in the business. A long damn haul, man. It's like over 50 years in the wrestling business. My question to you is that uh, as it pertains to training talent, because nowadays just about anybody can be a wrestling trainer. They've wrestled two matches, and all of a sudden they're already training somebody else. And now... What is your philosophy to training people? Just, I mean, g- give us your actual philosophy about wrestling training because you're one of the best-known trainer trainers out there uh, that's still active today, like from the old school. Well, um, I was a real football coach. Mm-hmm. I was a high school teacher and, and football coach. I was wrestling on weekends, right? Mm-hmm. So when you put practices together, every minute's accounted for. You're doing this, this time, this, and this time. If something's going good, you might cut it short. If something's uh, not going good, you might drag it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you had basically a certain amount of time to get it done in because you can't practice somebody 
you can, you only got so many uh, bumps in your bump card. You only got so many fucking uh, uh, when you're running and, and pushing, whatever. You've only got so much mm-hmm. uh, time to practice hard. And then after a certain amount of time, you, you're wasting your time, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, as far as the philosophy, hell, I don't know. You know what I mean? What is All it? That, sudden, what, what is it that you're looking for in a student? Then, like when somebody comes in, of course, you were saying earlier, it's that same motto that Dwayne Johnson had: "Shut your mouth, know your role." But, but like in addition to that, what is it that you're looking for in these in, in a student nowadays when they walk through the door? Well, the, the thing is funny was, guys. So I want this so bad. I said, look in the fucking mirror. If you're a piece of shit, if you're a skinny motherfucker or a fat motherfucker. You basically slapped me in the face to begin with. Because you know WWE wants you to look like half-assed Mr. Universe. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. Other guys, they're going to book other guys. But if every, really, if everybody has muscles, muscles mean nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But they want you to look like a... There ain't no big fat folk pro football players. Mm-hmm. There ain't no... Uh, if you're a real fucking athlete, there's a reason you are an athlete because you look like an athlete because you are a fucking athlete. You can't fucking uh, half-ass shit be a lazy motherfucker and be any good with any longevity. Mm-hmm. You might do it for a little while, but not with long- longevity. And you know if the boss or the biggest, uh, if the leader of the wrestling industry wants you to look like Mr. Universe, uh, you're doing yourself well because physical appearance is the first impression on anything mm-hmm. look at that bitch's ass look at that bitch's titties mm-hmm. look at the arms on that guy holy fuck look at that mm-hmm. no matter what it is the whole world's about physicality mm-hmm. of what you look like and the taller you are the better it is you know and if you're fucking jacked and tall well fuck we can teach a guy to fucking wrestle in a short amount of time but you can't get that fucking body you know it takes years to get a fucking body mm-hmm. i'm not counting the steroid guys but you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh uh, and I'll have guys for a couple of years. I said, look at you pieces of shit. You look like a piece of shit when you got here. And you still look like a piece of shit. <laughs> and you can redo your whole goddamn body in four months. A little bit of fucking just by put just by watching what you eat. I, I have to fucking exercise these guys during class. Mm-hmm. How embarrassing is that? Mm-hmm. I have to waste time to make them work out to make sure they do something. Because they're too fucking lazy. But like I tell everybody, I said, look, this is the way it is. Basically, 2%, 2 out of 100 or 1 out of 50, get this shit. The rest of you are really wasting your time and my time. Because now, you're lazy motherfuckers. And, it, it, and I mean, if you ain't a high school athlete to begin with, you're wasting your time. Hmm. You got to have the fucking discipline, can, be, can take constructive criticism, because I'm a yeller and a fucking screamer. I'll call you a stupid motherfucking, uh, motherfucking son of a bitch, lazy cocksucker, whatever. And that's the way it is. If you don't like it, get out. I didn't ask you to fucking come here. There's so many people, Rip. There's so many people (laughs) that they would would crumble if you told them that here in Europe. Here in Finland, for example, they would just crumble. Now you got to remember. Now, when I do it, though, first time you come in with me, you're like skull fucked. Then after you're around me about two weeks, you realize that's just being it's all a rip. Yeah. I don't really mean it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
It's like you stupid motherfucker. God damn. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it takes him a while to get that shit. But I meddled in my old age. I don't yell as much. And and uh, also, like, if I don't say nothing to you, I gave up on you. I ain't done. How was it? <laughs> so, as a rip, how was it? Fantastic. That means whatever. So you're the kind of I guy said, oh, that, who... I said, yeah. That was a, that was how was it? Oh, that was the best tag match we we've had today. That was the only one. How was that girls match? I said the best part about it, it's fucking over, you know. <laughs> so you're the kind of guy who you show your love by uh, giving people shit. You cuz you want yes, to see you want I, to see them I, get I'm better. I'm equal I'm equal opportunity. I hate everybody. <laughs> so that's so that's Perfect. okay. It actually reminds me what Terry Funk said about his father, Dory Sr. He said that uh, <laughs> that uh, if Dory Sr. said nothing after the match, then you did great. okay. If he said anything else, it was purely negative. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Rick, yep. uh, just to close up here, we're just I'm just going to ask you one more thing, and that is that now because the wrestling scene still today there's so many young guys and gals that are getting in the, and it's so hyper competitive because it's the age of the hyper athlete but to make it in today's business that to actually have a chance at making a living and making a career out of this damn thing what would you say are let's say the three things if we could just take a trifecta what would be the three things that a piece of talent or a student or what have you must have in order to have a fighting chance in professional wrestling? Well, Triple H has already married Stephanie, so that's out. Uh, I don't think uh, uh, the Samoan, the Rock's cousins, the Samoans, the Usos, uh, I, I think, uh, I don't think you can be a relative of them. So that's, so they're out on that. So I guess the next thing is to be a, some kind of ex NFL player or a reality TV star or be related to somebody else or somebody's neighbor. But the rest of that stuff, uh, I, I couldn't tell you because I've seen them take guys that wasn't worth a shit. I remember Johnny Ace, we had a fucking uh, tryout down there at OVW and they signed a whole, I think about four or five, maybe even six guys. And the thing about it was, was half of them they signed wasn't even in the, the, upper echelon of class. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they can say, oh, well, this reminds me of my cousin. This reminds me of me when I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. They yeah. can sign anybody they want to. They can make a star out of anybody. Yeah. And hey, well, why are you signing? Oh, hell, you know, we got new, uh, uh, we got new Saudi Arabian TV. We got new South African TV. We got new, uh, new TV in Egypt. Oh, no, we got new TV in China. So now all of a sudden, now we got to have some fucking Chinese motherfucking wrestlers. Mm -hmm. It don't matter if they don't, they've never even seen it before. This is what we got to have. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, and that's the way the wrestling business is. It's like football. It's like a, uh, uh, a football team. You don't have, uh, eight quarterbacks on the team, do you? Mm. Okay. Now you do the same thing in wrestling. Well, we got our, our quota of white guys, our quota of black guys, our quota of Mexicans, our quota of Puerto Ricans, the market dictates this many from Europe, the market dictates this, uh, we're going to run uh, Germany, we're going to run Finland, we're going to run China, we got to have so much of everything, mm -hmm. and that's the way it is, so in reality, when I tell the guys, I said, uh, I had a guy 
uh, he was a black guy. I said, now, when you go in there, your enemies are the other black guys mm -hmm. because they want your job. Mm -hmm. And this guy could do everything and was jacked and was built and had a good attitude. So they got rid of him real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. And anything, it's like, what is the survivor on the island or whatever on MTV shows? I don't know if he's... The shit's still on anymore, but they vote you off the island, whatever. Yeah, right, Survivor. That's like, if, just think if you're a hot girl and you could wrestle. Every fucking diva wants to get rid of you because you can fucking wrestle. So anything, any girl that's hot and could wrestle, they're going to get rid of your ass real fucking quick. Unless you're related to somebody. And that's the way it is. Now, do you think Wrestling's the, the world's greatest worst business. <laughs> that's a great saying. Now, to close out here... I mean, you're down there, or over there anyway, in OVW as the, the head trainer. Is that correct? I'm, I've still been there, you know. Yeah. OVW, I've been here since fucking before 2000, so yeah, 1990-whatever the fuck it is. Still here. It's awesome, and you're working there with Al Snow, I guess. And, and are you guys yep. then feeding, you're feeding Impact Wrestling nowadays. Uh, is that correct, that this 2019, I guess you... If, uh... I, I, I guess so. Scott was down there last week. We had some kind of combine there in Louisville with this and that. And Scott was down, Diamore. He was, hell, I knew him when he was 19. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, but what that means, I know they ran a fucking pay-per-view there at our fucking building. I don't know how many months ago, maybe three months ago. Hell, I can't remember. But they're working with a lot of groups now. now so is, is there somebody that... Kicking. Is there somebody that you got on the training list there at at the moment that uh, you really feel strongly about, or, or somebody that's that's you know up and coming that you want everybody to look out for? Well, we I got one guy that he's better than everybody, and he was trained in beginners class, and Ali Dali trains one of the beginners class, intermediate classes, and he just had a WWE tryout. But it doesn't matter in the rest of the world. You cannot be worth a shit and they give you a job, or you could be great and they shit on you. So it's irrelevant. That's why Nick Densmore had to become Eugene because he couldn't get a job as Nick Densmore because they didn't give a shit about wrestling. Mm. So well, uh, that's the way it is. Yeah, it's a this hard business. business this, now this is the business we chose to be in. That's right. When we win, when we win, it's not real. When we lose, it's not real. If you're great, you could not get booked. If you're the shits, you could get booked. But it's best better, and it's as a matter of fact, it's, I guess it'd be better to be the shits and have a job than be uh, great and not have a job. So what the fuck, right? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Already, Rip, it's been a blast having you on, and it's great to hear some uh, non-PC verbiage because the thing is that nowadays everybody's so damn careful about what they're saying and whatnot, so it's nice to hear somebody just let loose. It's been well, a blast. You can always just tell me, hey, hey, everybody, go fuck yourselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> could you say for us? Uh, could you say for us? Thanks for listening to shooting the shiz at and all go fuck yourself. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> fuck, I can't remember. Shit, I'm 65 years old and I can't remember my goddamn pants are zipped up or not. So I could remember something like that. Yeah, no problem. But anyway, <laughs> uh, shit, this thing was so hot we might have a Rip Rogers. Uh, Due to popular demand or undemand, we'll have fucking uh, round two someday. Well, so we'll have a comeback. Have a good day. We'll, we'll have a rubber All match. Right. All right, Rip. Thank you so much. God bless, man. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
on June 29th in Rama, Finland. It's the biggest international pro wrestling super show in the Nordics of Europe. Wrestlers from 10 different countries in eight big matches featuring Matt Cross from the USA, Yoshihiro Tajiri from Japan, Sadie Gibbs from England, Jern Simmons from Holland, Ivelisse from Puerto Rico, Scotty Davis from Ireland, Starbuck from Canada, Heimo the Wildman Ukonselka from Finland, and Mako Satomura from Japan. Part of ticket proceeds will go to the Finnish Muscular Dystrophy Foundation, Lihastau Tilipo. Be a part of the biggest international pro wrestling super event in Northern Europe this summer. Tickets now available through Ticketmaster Finland. Get yours today! Red Skull Hot Sauce. Fiery sauce focused on flavor. Made by a Canadian in Helsinki. Awesome sauce in a sweet-ass skull bottle. That's Red Skull Hot Sauce. R-E-D-D Skull Hot Sauce. On Facebook and Instagram. Estrada Creative Helsinki. Your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki. Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, Editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-S-I-M-O-N-E-N.com. So that was Rip Rogers. Awesome. Awesome. That motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Yeah. Have you heard that many motherfuckers in the no. last, let's say, uh, five years? I haven't heard that many motherfuckers in an hour. Yeah, <laughs> like well, in one go. hour condensed, probably I heard that many in five years. I don't know. Well, but... In in all the in all honesty, what a what an amazing dude, and uh, such a fountain of knowledge. And some people might not agree with in terms of his approach, but that that's pro wrestling. You know, to me that that is his approach is pro wrestling. That is what professional wrestling traditionally has been. And the thing is that what Rip was saying that a lot of people you know they're trying to recreate the wheel. And you know if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. You know the thing is that. Uh, inherently, there's nothing wrong with professional wrestling in the way that it has been for years and years and years. And just because of the internet and because everybody's, quote unquote, getting smart to the business, uh, so many of the companies are feeling compelled to change their approach and uh, to have the guys wrestle a different style to appease the marks, as they say. And... Um, I personally don't believe in this approach. I believe that as a wrestling company, as a promoter, as a booker, you have the possibility and the power to, and the opportunity, of course, to educate your audience, to bring up your audience, to understand your product in the way that you want to see it presented and to to have it understood. Mm. And that's where I think that the old school approach is still apropos. I think that it's still current. Uh, it, it's not a thing of times past, nor is the old school wrestling style uh, a thing of times past. I think that now I was just in Austria. I was wrestling right, yeah. in in um, the hometown of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Graz, mm. and they, they had over a thousand people there. I tell you what, those are that's an old school wrestling crowd. 
All right. From young to old, from the uh, grandmas and grandpas all the way to the kids. I'll tell you what, they they believe in their wrestling. They 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 are big fans and they get immersed into the match and you can have good solid uh, for be- lack of a better term, storytelling uh, mm. within the professional wrestling context. Yeah. Which is what I think we did. I had a match, a tag team match with Chris Colin as my partner uh, against a couple of guys, a couple of, I, I would consider, I guess, to be rookies, but still. Right. Uh, Rook, like like uh, Rip Rip said that the, yeah. the rookies got to play with the, the big boys. The, the, the whole thing is that, you know, I'll tell you what, um, you can't get better mm. in this business by wrestling guys that are on your level. Yeah. Or the it, same guys over and over again. No, you can't. You, you you it's like the blind leading the blind. Yeah. It's you have to step outside of your comfort zone. You've got to wrestle against people who are damn well better than you. Same applies to rock music. Yeah. As a musician, if you play with people that are on your level, how do you get any better? Yeah, that's true. But if you got to step in there with like Richie Blackmore, you got to play with John Petrucci. You have got to, uh, you know, play with Tommy Lee or whatever. Mm. You better up your ante, man. You better step it up because otherwise you're going to be brushed aside. They're going to say just uh, next. Yeah, it's true. Right? That's the way it goes. So professional wrestling still, I think the old the old school approach is still uh, relevant. Times have changed, but people have not changed. People are still inherently the same at heart, even though we live in this day and age of political correctness where you can't call a spade a spade, as we talked about with yep. Rip Rogers. And I saw this funny thing, by the way, mm, uh, sp- speaking of this political correctness and this like overbearingly overboard bullshit of the day and age. They had one of the rock festivals in Finland. They sent out um, some kind of a, a news piece to their audience and they said uh, that uh, more or less like ladies and gentlemen and then the day after they apologized publicly saying that we're sorry for uh, like identifying a gender in our approach that uh, we believe in in equality and all this garbage and uh, first of all who have you offended who did you just offend by saying ladies and gentlemen you offended nobody. And, and if anybody's offended at, say, at being called a lady or a gentleman, then I guess you're neither, you know, so that you're, you're something in the middle. And if you're, you know, you got XXXY chromosome, I'm not sure what you are. You can believe that you're a snowflake, but it don't make you a snowflake. Yeah. I mean, uh, this uh, being offended thing and being having to apologize. For everything. You know, I get in, in, the, in the day where if you're a big corporation and you, you know, said something that like is going to cost you cost you whatever your tv license because i know that those tv executives they they really don't give a shizad about it they just want they just want money you know money money is i think people don't understand like how affected people are especially people who have lots of money how much they're affected by because they will say anything to you as long as you get you give them money yeah yeah so, I mean, yeah, that to me is, it's, because, you know, it's not saying that, like, if you're, if uh, you identify as a woman, well, then you're a lady. If you identify as a man, well, then you're a man. So either either or, whatever chromosomes you have, you're still in there, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, and then I understand, apparently, there's like a thousand pronouns, or I don't know, <laughs> we want to get into the NXT thing, but yeah. it's a, it's a, it is a strange topic you know and i'm totally you know if somebody wants to be called 
whatever they want to be called, it's cool. But I got to know that going in. Yeah, but, but yeah, but that's such a hassle. I mean, it's like you, it's, it's almost like this female mentality where it's like, you know, your wife expects you to be a mind reader, right? But you're, you're supposed to know you're without her verbalizing, you're supposed to already know what she wants. Yeah, well, it don't work that way. And nothing, <laughs> I mean, nobody's a mind reader. Sorry. I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's, that's Di- Walt Disney. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so much for that. The verbage and the diatribe of the day has been brought to you by shooting the shiz at. That's right. I was As gonna we move on, look up all these pronouns and see how how would you then correct that statement, ladies and gentlemen. I could well, give, I could give a rat's ass. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I, I could just many? give a rat's freaking ass. It would be a five minute long introduction. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, let's go to NXT. NXT Takeover yeah. twenty five. Whoa, yep. what a pay per view! I guess this, in a way, I'm not sure that was it really what people are talking that it was the answer to AEW's Double or Nothing? I, I don't think so in a way because you know what? WWE is so ahead of the curve. Yeah. They are so far, they, they are an established international phenomenon, right? Mm. Okay. Monday Night Raw is the longest running episodic television show in history, period. Okay. There, nothing yeah. touches it. No. So uh, my point being here that I think the wrestling fans more so are seeing this as possible competition mm, yeah. AEW being competition for WWE they've not yet proven that they are a competition because the thing is they've run one pay-per-view yeah that's it they've signed a bunch of talent okay they have a lot of things lined up a lot of chips right and the thing is that uh I think that the at the end of the day uh time will tell you know once they get on television once October no- November rolls around and that uh that TNT deal starts rolling. Yeah, and they I think they're working on it with TSN in uh, in Canada, by the way. I heard rumblings about that. But uh, I, I would agree that I, do, I think a lot of people, you know, saying that this is the answer, but I, I think it's in that way uh, AEW is competing, if they're competing, with WWE in terms mm. of the main brand mm. because they have a TV deal. Yeah. You know, yeah. NXT has, doesn't have a TV deal. They are on the network only, as far as I understand, and they are—they have phenomenal wrestlers, and they are focused on professional wrestling. And uh, there's no doubt about that. I think this pay-per-view was was like I say all the time. It was tight. Mm-hmm. It was wrapped up. You had uh, what, what? How many matches here? Five. five matches, and it was like it's always five. Just by the way, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, very little talk. You know, yep. very, very, very little. And I love that. I love how tight it is. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. and then you look at uh, Double or Nothing, it was, what, five hours? You know, it was twice as long as this. And mm-hmm. there was, they were, they had a completely different goal uh, than, than what NXT uh, 25 had. Now, they're, I think it's, is it Fight for the Fall and is... Um, the next one. The next one. Uh, and then it's... Um, fighter Fighter fest Fest and but anyway uh, fight for the fall and they're running a a building i think it's uh, something like six thousand and uh, they're expected to sell it out as well and from what i understand nxt runs in the same city and and draws about 400 really you know so i don't know if they're doing any pay-per-views or take it must be just like house show style things Mm -hmm. but uh that's the numbers that I've seen online. So the and I'm sure that they the AEW still expects the fly-in 
uh, audience. But yeah, I don't see it as an answer. Uh, I see it as this is kind of just a WWE's like really good, really good wrestling show, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think everybody from AEW. I think there was even Dr. Britt Baker, their top woman star, sitting there beside uh, Stephanie McMahon because I believe she is the girlfriend of Adam Cole. So uh-huh. she was there uh, even on camera, not, not I guess, uh, not tags, but uh, yeah. you saw her there. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the thing is, I think they all understand. These are all buddies too, you know. You had Roderick mm-hmm. Strong and Matt Riddle and uh, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano. All these guys, Tyler Breeze, they have, you know, they're good buddies of, of all those uh, elite dudes. So, uh, you know, and I think it's really amazing that, uh, that they pulled off such a great show as as far as, I mean, every match on here I thought was very strong. I'll tell you what, the thing is the first match out, this, I, I've often said that uh, Roderick Strong is the MVP. I love him, yeah. Yeah, of, of NXT. And he didn't find his voice until he actually joined that uh, Undisputed Era. And the, when they turned him heel... And he got the rub from the other guys as far as just some personality. You can play off somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, you Somehow the, the guy just progressed. Mm, totally. Uh, not, not as a wrestler so much. I mean, he was already there as a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. But as a package, mm. as a personality. And uh, you, as the saying goes, you got to sell yourself before you can sell your product. There you go. So uh, Roderick Strong, first match out against Matt Riddle. Man... Tight, snug, uh, competitive, ultra competitive, and towards the end, that crescendo just picked up. This this match was as beautiful of a hard hitting, athletic, competitive match as you will see today. I yeah, thought I this was just absolutely fantastic. I watched it twice already, and okay, well, granted, the second time I you know I I'm not hit with the same impact as the first time. Uh, but I have nothing to complain about. I have no, uh, th- this was so damn good. Yeah. I mean, these are both athletic guys, but they're, they're not, they're, I'm sure they're capable of the, of the hyper athletic stuff, but these guys are like fighters. Yeah. You know, they are wrestlers. They, I, I love Roderick Strong's style of, um, well, this Messiah of the backbreaker is, you know, seeing him in TNA back in the day and, mm-hmm. and just like. Really, he knew what he was going after. Very Dean Malenko esque, Chris Benoit esque, and uh, you know, this was a wrestling match. And Matt Riddle is is he knows how to fight as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this was exciting, very exciting for me to watch. But by the same token, you know, I was just now in. Um, you just mentioned Dean Malenko. I was just in Austria wrestling this past weekend, and I remember I was talking to somebody there, and they said that as much as Dean Malenko was praised as a wrestler, you never had the feeling yeah. watching Dean Malenko that he was in there like fight or flight. Like in other words, it was all way too smooth. It was mm. all way too effortless. It I was, see, yeah. it was his, his, his expression never changed. That's why they try to give him that gimmick, you know, is that the, the ice, ice man. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's not a credit though. Mm. That's not. I mean, it's they were trying to make the worst, uh, the best out of a worst case scenario, because the thing is, the guy didn't show emotion, and that's in wrestling. You have to show emotion. It's it's like Shawn Michaels and The Rock. Watch them in the ring as far as the emotion that they exude, uh, and there's a reason why they are in the position, why why they've been in the positions that they've been in, 
and why, I guess, I mean, if you analyze it, why Dean Malenko never rose to that level. Even like, I mean, Jericho has far exceeded Dean Malenko in the wrestling business. And they were at some point on the same drawing line, right? So anyways, uh, my point being here that this match, anyway, Matt Riddle has so much more than Dean Malenko had. And that's not a knock on Dean Malenko. It really isn't. No. Uh, but he's just that good, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, so, but so was Matt Riddle. I'll tell you what. I mean, for him to rise as fast as he has in NXT, they see something in the guy, of course. I mean, he's got that MMA background. Great. But he has something. He's got a character. I mean, love yeah. it love it or hate it. I mean, it can be a pretty annoying. But then again, it, at least it gives me some reaction. You know what I mean? Bro. Hey, bro. I, yeah. But, you know, uh, I enjoyed it. And, um, I mean, I'd love to see more of it. So, But then coming up next, it seems like this is what they do as well. They give you, like, two just – well, they give you that, like, really um, hard-ass fight wrestling match at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, to whet your appetite, I guess. Yeah. To me, I, I think that was, for me, the best match on the show, even though everything else was awesome. And I really like the fact that they actually darkened the arena. Mm, yeah. The, 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 yeah. the entire focus of the lighting and everything was on the ring. Yeah, yeah. But then we go straight to that massive tag team ladder match for these uh, vacant NXT titles. Man, oh man. And uh, I guess who's the star of this one, but uh, or the person who took the most disgusting bumps, even worse than Finn Balor, I guess. Well, I don't know, like, overall, the thing is that he, Kyle O'Reilly, took some pretty nasty shots. I mean, the thing is, his back opened up on yeah. when he bumped on the on the edge of the ladder. Yeah. And I, I thought, like, you can break a rib. It almost looked, un, like, unintentional in, in a lot yeah, of Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it, like, it was just a miscue. But still, the thing is that, uh, that said, I mean, Finn Balor did take more actual, like, deliberate blows on top of the ladder itself. But Kyle O'Reilly, I mean, they, they had so many crazy spots in this match. Like, this is the thing with this high-spot-oriented, hyper-athletic style. And the problem with it is this, that how far can you go? Mm. Like, when you're pushing the envelope and you're trying to outdo what the guys have done last time, and you're trying to raise the bar, how far can you raise the bar until you start breaking parts of your body? Yeah, and... It's kind of like the the danger that happened uh, when the Attitude Era happened. You know, when ECW, people were just like, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like this before. There's a guy jumping off a balcony, you know, mm. through a dude in a flaming table and all, all kinds of whatever. And then they brought that onto the mainstream. Yeah. And then you had the Hardys jumping off, like, 20-foot ladders and, yeah. th- you know, just absolute mangling themselves for... for people's entertainment i'm sure they love doing it at the same time but then where do you go from there do you get a 25 foot ladder do you then get a 30 foot ladder do that's you what they've put, been doing so yeah, far is they just keep two on. more tables and yeah and then uh, i remember that uh, all of a sudden they like put the brakes on and there, you didn't see a table for a while yeah you know well the thing is that 2007 was the turning point you know yeah in wwe because the thing is if you look back and it was the beginning of the real hard push of Randy Orton. And I remember it was like around the same time that Dusty Rhodes had that bull rope match against Randy Orton. It's the legend killer, right? right? yeah. And I think that Randy Orton was the crucible. He was the, he was like the 
turning point stylistically of what WWE would become for quite a while until we got to this hyper athletic era where we're, you know, that we're in right now. Uh, and what they did was they slowed everything down and it was just body language. It was like one move, long body language period of like selling the move and, and anticipating the next move and thing like things like that. Whereas like now it's just bang, 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 bang. It's you don't have time to digest anything anymore. It's like they don't give you the time to immerse yourself into what just happened a second ago because everybody's on a clock. You got to just run, run, run. You you are expected to be the hyper athlete. Nonetheless, this match, yeah. the ladder match, just getting back to what happened here, it was the Street Profits against Oni Lorcan, Danny Birch against the Undisputed Era of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish against the Sons of, what are they called? Not Anarchy, the but Forgotten the, the, the Sons. Forgotten Sons. Yeah. yeah, Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler. And once again, they're bringing out this guy, the Enforcer. What's his name from the uh, from the Forgotten Sons now? But nonetheless, uh, oh yeah, that that I wasn't too thrilled about. Yeah, but uh, they're really pushing this guy. You know, I, uh, I forget his name, Jackson Riker. Yeah, that's right, Jackson yeah. Riker. Yeah, and uh, so they're trying to build Jackson Riker up to be the big monster here. And anyway, you know, they're doing a pretty good job. And that he looks cool. Yeah, I mean, he looks like pretty nuts in the eyes you know his, his yeah. eyes are, are are good but anyway the thing is that this match just the hyper athletic bumps the falls uh it's it's like it's almost like for lack of a better term like a live stuntman show where where like these guys there's no second take no it's like that one fall and boom and if it, whatever happens happens mm. uh some nice some nice moves in this match to be honest i remember that one spot they knocked uh, I think it was Kyle, o- no, not not O'Reilly. They knocked um, his partner, uh, Bobby Fish, off the ladder. And then all of a sudden, he twisted in midair when the ladder got tipped over, and he fell on top of O'Reilly uh, with a splash. Yeah. It was just, yeah. wow. I was, I was looking like, wow. That was, that was nuts. Yeah, weirdly well-timed, because he oh, could yeah. have landed pretty bad there. But uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, the, and the finish where... You've got one of the uh, one of the guys from the uh, the Street Profits, Profits, Angelo Dawkins, and he jumps, he springboards off the ropes, jumps all the way halfway across the ring onto the ladder, and knocks one of the Forgotten Sons off and takes mm. the belt. That was so well, like the the camera, the, whoever was like directing that thing, they missed the jump, which is sad. Well, but but the thing is that that was impressive, especially when the people, like, realized the guy just leapfrogged across the ring, you know. Yeah, totally and, nuts. Yeah, and, and the look in his eyes, in in this Angelo Dawkins' eyes, you know, he's just burning, like, motherfucker, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm fucking here right now. Yeah. And, and it was boom. It knocked him off, huge pop. People went nuts. That was good. That was a fantastic ladder match. You can't really get much better than that. You can you can measure this one up to the last WWE pay-per-view uh, where you had Finn Balor taking all those crazy bumps and even Ricochet, and, and yeah. this will stand up to that match, even exceed it mm. in some ways. Yeah, and uh, I mean, to me, it it like in that way, you got the hard way color from, uh, from Kyle O'Reilly's back, so there you go. You clicked. Checked my blood box there anyway, but uh, nonetheless, uh, then we're going into where Tyler Breeze is hopping down to NXT to take on Velveteen Dream in uh, the uh, what was it actually? This uh, North American Championship, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. so 
Uh, yeah, a North American, yeah. I'm getting it confused with uh, what was the one for NWA. The, is it also the North American Championship for the... You, the current version yeah, of the yeah, NWA. Yeah. I can't remember now what, yeah. what do they call it. But anyway, either way, it's a, it's a pretty belt, and a Velveteen Dream has it, and he still has it against Tyler Breeze. This was a, a pretty good match, too. I mean... I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I think like it's the best. Guys. I think it's the best Tyler Breeze match I ever saw. Yeah. The only thing I, I would say that... And this is maybe me being a bit snarky. I don't know. Is that the right word? But I find that Tyler Breeze is kind of... I mean, he's got his original stuff, which I think is it's all wonderful and everything. But I do see him kind of like taking a little bit too much um, from into his arsenal from other guys like Will Ospreay and you know and that that kind of are like those guys' signature things. And then you you see Tyler Breeze doing them where nobody else is doing them. But um, other, I mean, that's a really small pick. But uh, in terms of my own personal thing, he does this. This cheeky Nando kick uh, where he pulls the guy's head and gets it caught on the top turnbuckle, mm. you know, and then just kind of super kicks him, whatever. But uh, either way, I mean, I really like Velveteen Dream. He's He's got a great character, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like he lives it, so that's great. And uh, But, yeah, all in all, a really good match. Yeah, a lot of really, really crisp moves. I, I always found, like, Tyler Breeze, when he was still back in an NXT, there was some... How could you say it? there was there was just this lackadaisical kind of uh, element to him that I yeah. just didn't like. And now in this match, he didn't have it at all. There was it, he was he was actually tight. Yeah, he, he was he was on spot. He was in pocket. He was tight. And that's good. That's good. I don't like the cell phone gimmick to this day where he's got that selfie oh, yeah. stick and he's whatever taking pictures with a phone or whatever. They actually figured out a pretty nice spot in this match. Where it was, uh, <laughs> where Velveteen had the phone for a second, oh, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he got it booted out of his hands, or whatever. How it, I forget how it went, yeah, but, yeah. but it was still it was a cool spot. Yeah. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai for the women's championship. I expected more mm. from this match on paper than what it delivered, and I'm not sure why that is. Why it didn't deliver to the expectation of what I would have expected? Uh, is Shayna Baszler yet? that good or is it a case of just two people not meshing because you can't predictate chemistry that's true yeah you either have it or you don't and and that applies the same as in dating as it is in pro wrestling uh to matches you don't know the person that you're in the ring with how you're going to mesh until you actually get in there and you do it um that said i like io shirai a lot i think that she is a definitive keeper. Mm. Uh, I think she's really attractive. I think that she has really good fire. I think that her personality translates well. I like her wrestling style. Everything about her, I think, is great. Um, they were they were close in this match to actually getting on a roll, mm. and they, it was like they were in third gear somehow the whole time, and they just couldn't get it into fourth to say nothing of the fifth. Right. Right. The best part for me actually was uh, Io Shirai loses and uh, just goes absolutely apeshit ballistic with a kendo stick and a absolutely cool. Uh, I haven't seen stuff like this since Sabu was in his prime doing a, a moonsault chair assisted moon or maybe not assisted chair in the hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, but uh, moonsault with the chair on uh, onto uh, Shayna Baszler, Baszler and uh, 
just decimated her after after the bell. You know, in that mm-hmm. defeat, she just that that to me that's where like all the fire came out of. But uh, I think this sets up uh, extreme rules, doesn't it? Like, I guess as as a pay per view, uh, somehow I kind of see this, some foreshadowing here. Whatever the next one's going to be from WWE, but still, I think that. Um, this match did require a little bit of something that we never quite got. Um, not sure that the rematch, maybe they'll get it right the second time around. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of people talking that uh, they want that rematch to be like a no DQ or extreme rules or whatever WWE calls That's what it. That's so, what they're building. That's what they're building. You know, let's see. I mean, uh, yep. why not? Well, still retaining the championship then is Shayna Baszler at the end of this thing. And uh, by submission. So there you go. Yeah. She's got her got her sleeper hold type of move that she does and uh, does it rather well. And, well, at the end of the end of the night, it was Io Shirai then tapping out finally to this killer sleeper. Anyway. Yeah. On to the main event. I wasn't all that impressed the first time around, speaking it like it now, as, as I was saying about the girls' match, that maybe they'll get it right the second time. Well, the first time around for Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, Two out of three falls. Okay, it was good, but I didn't feel that the build or maybe something wasn't strong enough. Um, You know, technically, yeah, it was fine, everything, blah, 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 but it wasn't quite on the level of what you think a main event final match could, should, would be. Now, they got it right. Hmm. Yeah, this match here, for all the bells and the whistles, uh, and a clean Win for the heel, Adam Cole, defeating Johnny Gargano and taking the title in 32 minutes. Yeah, from Gargano's first defense. Yeah, and this was a damn good wrestling match. I mean, there's, I have no qualms. I have no gripes. I have nothing to criticize in this match. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm... uh... I really, really uh, like Adam Cole's work, and I like Gargano. I'm, I'm kind of in this pool of people. If there's only me in there, I don't know, but I find that he can, he can be more, just a bit more snug. I think he's like intense as anybody could ever be, and I think he's got like the fire. But uh, I would, you know, we were talking with Rip Rogers about the punches, and I think he could just, if he, if he could get the striking game, or you know, just, just to be a little bit more. I, looking where with that Moxley and Juice match where it was they were basically just hitting each other mm-hmm. and maybe that they don't want you to do that in WWE but uh, but I don't know maybe he could be just a little bit more snug is the word I, I like from you that I mm-hmm. that you, you you use a lot and I think it's it's very appropriate and not snug I mean, that shizat up that's it and and this is like again like a super picky thing like mm-hmm. if, if I'm gonna say anything. Mm-hmm. bad and i of course i uh, you know maybe i don't have the right to say so a lot of this stuff but uh it's just from what i see and and i think this match was like top notch mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not as good as the was it the new york where they met last time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or something like that but anyway uh but it was like you know by a sea hair if you remember what i meant by that was it was that was that the rabbit <laughs> <laughs> was that the ocean rabbit yeah that's right the sea rabbit okay, okay, so uh Living, is that a toy, by the way? Living down there, I don't know. Could be from Hot Lips. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh. <laughs> what am I talking about? Yeah. Hey. Anyway, so uh, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, hell of a match, no doubt. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from that, but I guess they're 
they must be moving Gargano up to the main roster or something like that. I, I actually like that he lost, you know, because he to me he's that he's that guy who I think he should have never won the title. To be honest, no, with you. I think he's the underdog that you you know you got to have him win sometimes. You can't you can't be losing forever. That's I the guess. whole thing. You know, you, you can get it taken away from you, but the money is in the chase. That's it. It's the old adage, right? Even when Dusty Rhodes was the booker of the NWA back in like 86, yeah. 85, 86, 87, you know, he was the champion. He beat Ric Flair at that Great American Bash mm. in 86 in the cage. Yeah, yeah. But he held it for like, was it two or three months? And then Flair took it back. Right. And the, and the proof is there, right there. You got your big, big old baby face, you know, the, you know, the legendary Dusty Rhodes. Mm. But even he realizes the money is in the chase. So therefore, Flair's got to be your champion. Yeah. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, and then you give the crowd the payoff there, mm-hmm. where your your hero actually does win. Yeah, you know that's it. So. Even Sting, you know, back in 1990, you know they they were building Sting up to be the big babyface champion of the uh, WCW organization. Yeah, right. And and Flair, you know, they he had that series against Lex Luger while Sting was injured, and it was like you know people were saying that it's Lex's time too. You know, I mean he's been. He can't get any higher than he is right now, right? Yeah. He can't get no hotter, no higher, whatever. He's that you know. It's time, Flair, pull the trigger. Mm. And Flair's like, no, 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 Sting is the guy. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna wait till Sting gets healed until he's back. Great American Bash, 1990. Boom, Sting gets the title. But the what? Sting was a champion for what? Six months. Yeah, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Back to Flair. Yeah. Back to Flair. And the thing is that it just didn't carry over. You know, if you think about it, you know, it's like Sting's programs after Flair were Sid Vicious and uh, the Black Scorpion, which was a number of any, it could have been anybody under that, yeah, under yeah. the mask. Mm. And it was oftentimes, it could have been a jobber. It could yeah. have been, it could have been uh, Dave Sheldon, the Angel of Death. It could have been uh, Al Perez. It could have been anybody. Yeah, yeah. Right? And at the end, then it was Ric Flair in the cage at Starcade. Mm. And uh, well, anyway. Yeah, blow the so, roof off. Yeah, but but my point being that, once again, it's like the money is in the chase. And mm. sometimes when the babyface gets the title, a lot of times the heel is the one that commandeers the match, right? So the heel is the captain. He is the leader, Yeah. right? And uh, therefore, the babyface, unless it's a really damn talented babyface that can lead a match, that can, that can really orchestrate and be a captain... Um, sometimes it just doesn't translate, you know? Like, it doesn't draw money where the baby face, he's got to be he's so too like, giving. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be so giving. Mm. He's got to be like a Hiroshi Hase kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Anyway, a lot of people don't even know what I'm talking about because <laughs> this is getting into the deep, deep waters of pro wrestling. Beyond you, the dark ages. No, no, no. It's actually, this is getting into the nuts and the bolts of yeah. you, you better understand uh, our business to the degree that you... You got to be inside the business to know what I'm talking about. Even though so True. many people are quote unquote smart nowadays, they think that they're smart, but still, it's like Drew Ma- Drew not McIntyre, but Drew McDonald mm. passed away several years ago out of the UK. Said that there's no such thing as smarks. There are only marks. There's yeah. a, there's marks who think that they know that they're smarter, or that, that they have they're, they're so opinionated that they know something more than the guy next door. Yeah, and then. That gives them bragging rights to say that I'm smarter than you, which makes them a smart mark. There you go. There you go. Anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, NXT 25, uh, I mean, hell of a show. How many bucks out of five are you giving this one? I'm giving it four. Four, yeah. Four plus. So, did we do the buck thing on the double or nothing? I, I can't remember. But uh, uh, Well, I'll give it now. Yeah. By the way, if you haven't heard it yet, go and listen to the Jim Cornette Experience. Uh, it's Jim Cornette's podcast. 
And you can check out the episodes on uh, YouTube and listen to Cornette's analysis of AEW's Double or, Double or Nothing. Yeah, but seriously he, listen brutal. to it as well. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. He is just, he tears it apart. Yeah. Because, like, as I said, AEW's Double or Nothing was a three-man show, or a three-match yeah. show. Yeah, Okay, it was the last three matches because it was like, whatever happened before that Dustin and uh, Cody match, Yeah, it was a different planet. Mm. It was a different product. It was a different ball game. Yeah. What happened when it was Dustin and Cody, when it was Young Bucks and uh, the Lucha Brothers, and when it was um, uh, Jericho and Omega was in a class of its own. Mm. And what happened underneath could not touch any of those matches. Yeah, I agree. So therefore, uh, how many bucks out of five would I give double or nothing? Mm. As an entire show? Yeah. Maximum two and a half. Okay. So 50% kind of. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is that you had still on the show, how many matches did they have? They had, what, eight or how so, many? Something like that, I guess, including the uh, the pre-show. Yeah. So it was like eight, nine match. I think it was nine, actually, with the pre-show. All the pre-show yeah, matches included. I think it's nine. Yeah. And if you had three matches out of nine, which were damn good. Yeah. I hear you. I'm being generous when I say two and a half. Yeah, and I mean, uh, in, in that way as well, that I, I know, like from Rip Rogers was saying, that uh, the buffet idea, you know, which I think that, that that's what they were going for, was to, you know, lay out a buffet of wrestling, especially on their first event, of like having, you know, very but, different matches, but... But it was so disjointed. I agree, that like, the, the last three matches, like, were just it, you know. But the thing is, just that battle royal in and of itself, it was like one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my life. Mm. On a major scale. Yeah, yeah. It's like Cornette was saying, it's like an outlaw match. And and yeah. and I agree, like, in hindsight, because if you had somebody walk into the ring with their hands in their pockets, mm. like, lazily, playfully kicking away at, who was it? Tommy Dreamer. T- yeah, Tommy Dreamer, right? And then Tommy Dreamer punching the guy. And he gets up immediately with his hands in his pockets again. You've just killed the business right then and there, man. Yes, yeah, like you don't deserve. Like shame on you. Like for Tommy Dreamer too. Shame on you mm. for allowing that. You just prostituted yourself. Yeah. Why did you do it? You won nothing in like in in so doing. You've won nothing. I I totally totally understand it. And uh, in that in from especially Jim Cornette and your your perspective. Uh, I can see it that there's this there's this genre of comedy wrestling uh that that guy was Orange Cassidy and uh you know the, this day and age I think people take this you got to stand out and be different to a to a whole different degree than it was before and somehow being this uh we we actually tuned in just after this. Michael Nakazawa did this uh, baby oil stunt oh, where he yeah, was in a yeah, bear yeah. hug and squirted himself free with the slippery baby oil. But mm, yeah. anyway, I saw that battle royal was like it was showcasing all this very well. I guess uh, what was the word uh, outlaw comedy stuff that was. You know, I think it's a very much to somebody's taste, and in the United States, uh, the the crowd really likes a lot of that stuff. So I can see why you would have it on the card. It's not exactly for me, mm-hmm. but uh, and I first of all going in don't like battle royals, and then there was too much comedy, too much shizat going on there, and well, too much bullshit. Yeah, well, that's it. But I mean, 
Yeah, two and a half out of five bucks, and then uh, NXT getting four bucks. It's a different product. Yeah. Right. Would you say, um, uh, what is what gets five bucks? I think we went through this before, but what is a five buck a room? You know what the thing is that, if I'm completely honest, maybe like one match will get five bucks. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm. Um, but as an entire product, nothing gets five bucks because it's like saying guess, yeah. it's like saying that what is the perfect match, right? What is mm. the greatest match in the world? Whatever. And to be honest, like Terry Funk once said, that you know nobody ever has the perfect match. If you have, if you, it's, if you ever do, it's time to quit. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's always something you could do better. Mm. There's always something you can do different. Right. You should never be that satisfied and so conceited in your own, you know, point of uh, markism here towards your own skills or your own aptitude that you somehow think that this is this is the greatest that great shit gets. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. There is no such thing. Right. You, there's, there's. There's a moment when all the stars are aligned and you're just lucky, right? Mm-hmm. And there are times when the people are with it, the crowd is invested, uh, everything is crisp, you're feeling good, you're not jet lagged, you're not tired, whatever, and it all comes together, mm-hmm. okay? We all have those moments, I'm sure, I'm sure. But by the same token, it's like nobody, it's like the perfect girl. Mm-hmm. She doesn't freaking exist. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't, you know, like every chick out there, you know, this one saying, I just got to digress for a second. Yeah. For every hot chick out there, there's a guy that's sitting at home that's sick and tired of her shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the truth. Yeah, it's the yeah. freaking truth, right? And you know, everybody's so oblivious to it. But anyways, so it's like you can parallel that to pro wrestling. There is no such thing as the perfect match. There are just damn good matches. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, I'll but- tell you, the the first show, I guess, in the history that's going to get five bucks, I bet, is going to be WrestleAid in Rauma, Finland on June 29th this year, this month. Coming up, can well, you give us a bit more about that? Oh, geez. Well, I'll tell you what, WrestleAid, anyway, it's the biggest uh, professional wrestling super show, international super show in the Nordics of Europe. And I would digress and say that in all of Europe this summer that I'm aware of, mm. I don't know of any single other company that is bringing in this many top-level talents globally, internationally, from 10 different countries, bringing them in for this one huge supercard in Rauma, Finland. Uh, June 29th, I tell you what, it's um, it's a charity show, and part of the proceeds are going to the Finnish Muscular Dystrophy Association um, because one of my co-promoters uh, has a very advanced stage of Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy, which is a terrible, terrible disease. Uh, he has a breathing machine that keeps him alive, that pumps air into his lungs because his lungs are also a muscle, by the way, folks. And muscular dystrophy, once your muscles quit on you, it uh, without some special assistance, you are dead. Yeah. Uh, he has a, a machine which breathes for him. Now, if for no other reason, if for only this reason of charity alone, you should be spending your hard-earned cash to come to Wrestle Aid on June 29th to support a good cause. Because here's a guy that the doctors gave until the age of 26 to live, and this May, he turned 40. He has outlived his life expectancy by 14 years. All right, this guy's story is very special. We're going to have his story up on the Slam Wrestling Finland social media channels very shortly, I would say probably in the next week or so. Uh, We did a video 
basically it's like a uh, well it's 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 a video interview of sorts he speaks through the computer hmm. so it's a, a voice simulator yeah. that reads the text that you write because the only muscles that work in Rico's body are his eyes and his tongue hmm. he can't speak but he can use his tongue as uh, a cursor so to speak like for the keyboard okay right so he has a special apparatus that he puts in his mouth that his brother will place for him in his mouth because his hands also yeah, yeah. no longer work and and he can write perfect English perfect finish and his mind is crystal clear man yeah so l- folks if you don't know what Duchenne muscular dystrophy is then go to Google punch it in get educated Look up Lihas Tautilito in Finland. That's the Finnish Muscular Dystrophy Association. See the work that they do and go to www.wrestleaid.fi because this super show is one that you, you're not going to want to miss, honestly. And we will be announcing the final matches for WrestleAid, I believe, this coming week. Uh, for example, the match that Mako Satomura Will, ah. be, will be partaking in awesome. because so far we've announced six matches. Now we're boiling down to the final one or two. I'm not sure if it's going to be one or two more matches because uh, we are now awaiting the status of um, one of the participants for Wrestle Aid who got signed to AEW, and we'll see what happens now yeah, uh, right. whether or not AEW is going to need them for that fighter fest on the same day as yeah. Wrestle Aid. Okay. So uh, that will be confirmed shortly. But nonetheless, the it's going to be a double main event in Rauma featuring the Japanese talents of Yoshihiro Tajiri against myself, the Rebel Starbuck, and Meiko Satomura in the other double huge international main event. Uh, and we will specify her opponent or opponents in the coming week. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been quite a killer shooting the shiz at. I'll tell you, it's a long one. This is yep. a doozy, but... Uh, thanks for sticking to the end, but I mean, if anything, I hope you listen to Ripper, the Ripper, the Hustler, Rip Rogers, because uh, we got to have him on again. That that was a great, oh yeah, a great time listening to that that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rip Rogers, one of the all-time characters in the world of pro wrestling. And go get your tickets for WrestleAid now through Ticketmaster. That's Ticketmaster.fi. Punch in WrestleAid, and you will find the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you next week with more Shoot the Shizak.